Hello, and welcome to Franchise Me. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And this is a show where two friends go on a journey to find the ultimate movie franchise. Each week, we'll talk about a film or films in a series, breaking them down and seeing if they are truly worthy of being in a franchise. As we finish different series, we will compare and rank them among each other in order to find out which one is truly the best. This week, we embark on a journey into our first year at Hogwarts as we discuss Harry Potter and the Sorceress or Philosopher's Stone. Andrew, hello, my friend. Here we are. I think it's fair to say that we are officially the podcast that lived. The podcast that lived. (laughs) I prefer Philosopher's Stone. I just want to first (laughs) start off this entire thing. I uh, prefer Philosopher's Stone. I think it sounds better. I think it rolls off the tongue better. Sorcerers, I don't know. I just don't like it. I've never liked it. Well, you know, obviously we are embarking into the world of Harry Potter. You know, this uh, the the main Harry Potter franchise for right now. And yeah, that was kind of a conversation that we had of sorcerers, philosophers. Obviously, the majority of the world knows this as the Philosopher's Stone. On Letterboxd, it says Philosopher's Stone because they are New (laughs) Zealand-based. It says Philosopher's Stone. And uh, somebody deemed... You know, when the book was coming out that uh, apparently America just wasn't familiar with the philosopher or they were too stupid to understand what a philosopher was. They thought we were was. dumb. Yeah, no, most <laughs> Americans are dumb and they're just like, what's a philosopher? And, and when you say sorcerer to them, they go, oh, magic. You know, it, uh. So we get Sorcerer Stone here in America. Yeah. That does sound weird because they don't really talk about sorcerers. Like, you know, they're never, the word sorcerer is Nicholas never Flamel is not a sorcerer. <laughs> He's he's never been a he's not a sorcerer. He's it's called Philosopher's Stone for a reason. Whatever. Believe it or not, Nicholas Flamel is a philosopher. Well, he's an alchemist, actually, isn't he? Also a philosopher. He moonlights. <laughs> but how do you know he's not he's not tripling down as a as a sorcerer? If you're an alchemist, you're not playing with sorcery too. That's dangerous. Everybody knows it's that. It's too much. That's too, too much. much. You can't do it all. Uh, but no, my friend, are you excited for a brand new I franchise? I can't wait. Dude, this is the summer kickoff. Yes. This is our summer kickoff. Yes, it is. Um, we're here. It's our summer kickoff episode. We have all this fun movies to go through. This is a big franchise, man. And I'm yeah. very excited to start with this yeah. one. We've been tackling um, some smaller stuff. You know, Sh- yeah. Shrek is a little bit bigger, but you different types. And I, now- think in, I think impact. In, the impact of it is bigger. Yes, with Shrek, it's it, like five movies is whatever. I yeah. mean, it's but I think it's the impact of Shrek that was really like the big thing. Yeah, but this is like one of the most important franchises ever made. I would argue. Yeah, it's um, this came the Harry Potter of, yeah. stuff at least is easily one of the most important franchises. This came at a very like influential time. Oh. And yeah, yeah. So. I mean, and you kind of said it last week. Probably one of the best book adaptations of all yeah. time. It's probably the the most like. Successful, well, well, yeah, successful and well-regarded like book adaptations. Yeah. Like you can't, you very rarely find people who dislike well all of them. You know any of these movies. Well, that what is funny because there, I think you know after the release of the movies, now you know when mm-hmm. these movies stopped being made, there was a little bit of like a backlash. Like there, you know the the very like hardcore fan base, like the people who love 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 the books, right. have kind of started to go back on the movies a little bit and and be like, Ugh. well, they they less. But I think it's always something. Well, I mean. I, the problem is they can never, like, a movie can never fully capture every detail from a book. And everybody has different favorite parts of the book. Right. Of all the books. Not right. just the first book, yeah. but all of them. And, you know, myself included, yourself included, I'm sure as we go through the year, we'll probably, when we get to different movies, we'll probably be like, oh, I wish they included this. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But unfortunately, they just can't include everything and something's got cut. I do think, you know, and we'll talk about this in the next couple of movies or mm-hmm. in the future movies, I think maybe, I'm 
I mean, I understand wanting to strike when the iron is hot, but maybe they should have waited till all the books were released because there were certain things. And I know J.K. Rowling was involved in the, you know, in these movies, and she kind of stepped in yes, sometimes. But yes. like, there are things that they don't include that end up becoming very important pieces. This in- is this is a really unique case of these movies being made while the well, books, books are still being written. Yes, yes, and it's in a way a little impressive for uh, J.K. Rowling, who's writing these books to kind of keep up with the movies mm-hmm. because I think when the first movie comes out what's out at that point? Uh, Maybe the, the first four. Fir- the first four yeah. were out. Wow, that's impressive. I didn't I think, know that. I'm pretty sure Goblet of she, Fire. It was all the way up to Goblet. Yeah. Wow, that's imp- that's I didn't know that. I thought it was only up to like two or three. I didn't realize Go- it was already up to Goblet. Yeah. That's wild. I always forget like when that first that first book it's was so early. Yeah. It's printed like kind of like mid to late 90s there so I always forget that. It is crazy to kind of look at these movies and be like you know they're making these as books are being written and they're not fully aware of some of the plot points that are going to come back later on but you kind of would think that maybe with with Rowling's involvement that she would mention that I think to to some degree like we'll get there because there are times where that she does step in and 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 through my fun facts and stuff you know we'll we'll talk about that there are sometimes that uh not necessarily this movie but other movies where she has stepped in and be like you might want to make you you might want to include this or maybe not include this because that might contradict some things right but yeah no the book the Goblet of Fire book came out 2000 so this was before the release mm-hmm. of this movie the movie was in development already but was right, before the release right. of this movie and the order of phoenix doesn't come out till 2003 wow so, yeah so she took like three years to write that next yeah, one that's so. wild and that's that's the longest book i think that's the uh, it is yeah that's the biggest one yeah well the, the next couple books take a little bit longer i mean what they ended the book series ended in 2007 right yeah so yeah the last book's 2007 mm-hmm. so yeah you know the next seven years at you know at this point you know it takes her to finish but right but yeah i'm very very excited to to dive into this you know we yes. we've mentioned this in the shrek retrospective but we are big fans of this we both read the books yes read um, every book i have not read the books for this i might try to <laughs> kind of crack them open as we do these sure you know, but sure. It, it's um, it, it's hard they're bigger books yeah, to like i mean like the early ones are easy to get through yeah like you know one two and even three are pretty easy but once yeah. you start getting into like four five six seven, like they just get thick thick yeah. but i mean it's really when I, long long books a that, couple so years ago i reread i would them. not anticipate i would not ask you to read every book <laughs> i'm not doing that so. no but a couple years ago um i reread them um, mm-hmm. During the pandemic, when right. I had more time, and it, I, I got through the first three, you know, very very quickly. Yeah, and and the fourth one was about a week, and then the fifth one took me like a couple of weeks. Right, like, it is a very it's thick, long. And but it's, like as you that experience reading them through the pandemic, were you kind of just taken back and like, wow, this, these books still hold up? Uh yeah. Besides the fifth one, I don't. Besides, I don't, the, you don't, I don't care for the, I don't fifth, care for one. the yeah, fifth one. Yeah. But yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But, <laughs> but yeah, but for the most part, and, you're like, and that's a controversial opinion. That's a lot of people's favorite book. I know, but, but well, it sets up a lot of story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know we're kind of all over the place, but this is such a yeah. big franchise. And it's, this is kind of the intro episode yeah, in a way, too. Yeah, and there's so much know? to talk about here and, and, you know, the thing with books versus movies and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I just... Sorcerer's yeah. Stone versus Philosopher's yeah. Stone. But ba- basically, my point is, yes, there are, I think, a group of people who kind of look at these movies and go, well, they left out my favorite part or whatever. And and they kind you of... can't have every part. Yeah. I I Well, I mentioned to you, and we'll, again, maybe this is more retrospective talk, but like, maybe, you know, if this were made today, this would probably be like an HBO max series Absolutely. like i think that's a better way to do it yes where you can do like a 10 episode or even like you know one or two chapters per episode yeah. where you're kind of covering through it and you do get all the details mm-hmm. but right now as we go through these we're looking at just the movies we're looking, I mean, at, we're looking the at the movies and what they do and so this first one that we're about to talk about is very Stone, this is probably 
the most loyal yes. one we get. I mean, yeah. this is probably the most loyal to the book. I mean, I, I feel like I see every chapter in this movie, yeah. like like on display here. And there's, I think that's why people like this one so much because there's a real audience of people who love this first yeah. one. And you see those opinions, you know, vary as they go on. But this is one of, I would say this is like the fan, uh, a fan favorite. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So before we get into it. Yes, you know, we, we have a little, little thing just, to just, just touch wanna, on. Yeah, we already talked about it a little bit, but you we know. We mentioned her name. Uh, before we get into it, obviously, you know, we just wanted to acknowledge that, you know, I know that with the world of Harry Potter, you uh-huh. know, and we talk about the books and we talk about the movies and everything like that. You know, in recent years, there's been a little bit more of a controversial figure, you know, with J.K. Rowling, you know, was this beloved uh, author. And, you know, recent years, she's kind of made some comments a little bit more controversial. Uh, and About I just transgender wanted, people. About transgender people. Yeah. And she kind of called out, you know, an audience. Mm-hmm. And that's something that honestly, like, I'm familiar with what's been going on, but I haven't been, I haven't kept up with it. You know what I mean? Like, I I know more when it first happened. Like, yes. I know Dana Radcliffe came out and kind of, like, defended transgender people and came out against her yeah, comments. Yeah, he came out and, against her comments. Um, and, you know, the the comments aren't great. I mean, just, I mean, I'm sure people know them, but it's it, it was more along the lines of um, transgender women are not real women. You basically, and she's... And, uh, which isn't great to say. No. <laughs> at all. I think the biggest problem is, like, why her comments have kind of stuck at us, because this is a person who created, the, you know, the Harry Potter world, and as yes. we get to these movies, we'll talk about that these movies are very much like preaching equality and inclusivity yes. and all the villains in the movie everything about this is inclusive yeah and and, and all and, the villains are these hate-filled racist prejudiced people yes. who believe that a certain group of people aren't as good as them or whatever yeah. or and shouldn't it, share the same should uh, exactly it, it, and, yeah. we, and we see as it goes on too you know they'll, they'll put terms in these books you know you'll see something like mud blood yeah it's supposed up. to be an offensive term right, it's supposed yeah. to be an offensive term and you can kind of equate that to like racism in the real world yeah that's what's frustrating is like she is about equality on that level of of race and stuff like that but it's upsetting to hear this yeah about a trend the transgender community because again even with the race stuff i know when uh the broadway play cursed child came out they cast a black actress yes. as hermione and that was controversial for some and she was one of the first people to come out and, and say, say approve and say and, and well she literally says she's like in my book i do not say that hermione is white, white or, or black, black. she's or like whatever. i use very vague descriptors she's like i don't see you know that's and that's that was a really great thing yeah. to do, but then, like, literally, like a year later, she just shoots herself in the foot with these well, comments. That's and it's what, like, oh, that's basically what are you doing. That's basically all I want to say is that, like, it just does feel a little hypocritical, you know yes, what I mean? But, absolutely. like, honestly, that's not what we're here for. We're that's not, not here what to talk sh- her. We're no. here to talk these movies as inclusive. Let's just say this in our world of Harry Potter, transgender people are accepted. Yeah. If you were impacted or you were hurt or offended by her comments, then our sympathies, our apologies, you of know. Of course, yes. Uh, we are going to look at this. We're going to remove the art from the artist you know what i mean yeah. and just kind of look unfortunately as we go through not just these movies but other movies and other franchises mm-hmm. we're going to come across controversial fi- yes. figures and stuff like that but i'm going to not talk about her as much as i can but you know obviously she, you can't not mention this world and this story and everything without talking I mean, about her yeah I she's mean, all over the fun facts and she's stuff the like creator. that of yeah. all of this. So, I mean, we can't not mention it, no. but like she literally created all of this, but it is important to mention that. And like I said, we, I think the world she has created has overshadowed her at this yes. point. Yeah, I think Because this right. is still a thriving and, franchise. And I think that's honestly the general consensus is yes. that the, even those people who were impacted by her comments yes. seem to just be like, well, like, 
I'm I'm still going to reread this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm still going the to the world overshadows. Yes, her. I, even if even if, whatever her opinions is, are people are still going to read these books and find something in it and go whether she thinks that there's a certain thing going on in the, whatever the world is too big at this yeah. point. It's yeah. overshadowed her, and that's really all I have to say about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So it is just removing the art from the artist. So yeah. if you if you're expecting this big conversation about her comments or anything like that, that's it. That's all you're getting, and yeah. we're not going to talk about it again. But Great. I just before we get into the movies, I just wanted to touch on that. So glad we got that out of the way. Cool. But you want to jump into the movie, my friend? Let's talk Philosopher's Stone. I'm calling it Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, by the way, the we're just going to. I'm not calling it Sorcerers because most of the world calls it Philosophers. Yeah. Let's get with the world, Ryan. Yeah. And Let's I think it. even a lot of people in America just have become familiar with it as the Philosopher's, Philosopher's Stone. Stone. So yes. Yeah. Um, well, my friend, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yes. This is the first film in the Harry Potter franchise, mm-hmm. the first uh, adapted from the very first book. Yes, yes. This has a release date of November 10th, 2001 in the UK and November 16th, 2001 in the United States. Ah, yes. So, that happens yeah. sometimes. You'll yeah. get like a movie. It makes sense kind of that it was uh, released in the UK first. Yes, of course. This is a UK story. This is, I mean, obviously, this, you know, like Warner Brothers is, has backed this, you know, kind of an American studio uh-huh. and, and, you know, this directed by Chris Columbus, yep. an American, yep. but this film is very British. Yeah. Like it's oh, very gosh. British, and you can feel that. And that was purposeful direction, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's, it's dripping with British, yeah. Britishism. It's if like you the will. most <laughs> British American. You know, like it's you know, like maybe like you know, the conception of it was came out, came out of America, like yes. of the mo- the movie. Mm-hmm. But like you know, going back to the roots of you know its creator and you know the setting and everything like that it is so British. Yes. So. 100%. Um, but yeah, directed by Chris Columbus, a very famous name. You know, very famous name. He, uh, director of Home Alone. Home Alone. Mrs. Doubtfire Mrs. as Doubtfire. well. Big comedy director. Yes. Big, but also... But also really good with kids. Really good with kids. Yeah, and, really good with kids. That's uh, the one thing I've always heard about him, actually, is how he works very well with child actors. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, Home Alone, you only hear kind of, like, good things about him and how he treated, like, Macaulay Culkin yeah. on that set. There's no, like, horror story of that shoot no, yeah. where Macaulay Culkin came out and was like, Chris Columbus was so bad. To, that's not at all what it was. Yeah. He was very good to him, treated him like an equal, and that's always kind of been his reputation in Hollywood yeah. and I applaud him for that because that's a yeah. hard thing to do and it seems like he you know at least maintained some type of like you know I don't know how much they actually like talk but like some type of friendship or at least respectful relationship with these people because yeah. we'll probably reference it throughout this whole thing but you know there was recently the Harry Potter 20th anniversary special Absolutely came out uh, uh, first of this year yes. 2022 and you know Dana Radcliffe meets up with Chris Columbus and they, they have a you know they very clearly seem to have like a, a lot of respect for yes. each other and talking about another franchise Chris Columbus you know this a while ago but did a when Macaulay Culkin was an adult mm-hmm. he did a commentary with Chris Columbus for the Home Alone DVD yes, yes. and still there like kind still, of like he maintains those yeah, relationships and it seems yeah. like they're kind of they've kind of praised him for like how he handled them yes. as kids yep. you know what I mean how yep. he worked with them he's so. very good with kids yeah you're absolutely right He's that's kind of his reputation in Hollywood and honestly when you watch this movie you know regardless of how British it is and getting Chris Columbus who is American to direct it I don't think you could have found a better director for these first two movies yes when these kids were still very young. Yeah. He was the perfect director to get because he's literally wrangling these kids. Yeah. And you kind of, and during, like you said, during that 20 year special, you kind of see some of that behind the scenes stuff. You're like, it's kind of a madhouse. Yeah. But he's keeping it all on track and he's letting them be kids still, but he's still getting the shots he needs. And yeah. I, I, again, I just, I really applaud Chris Columbus and I have a lot of, re- I, I think I've really come to respect him and what he can do well, because it's, it's impressive. That's what's funny because 
I think the reputation around this movie before, maybe going back mm-hmm. even just a couple years ago, um, of Chris Columbus, like maybe not being the most exciting choice for this, and right. also like this movie being, you know, this and this movie is the most child friendly, family friendly mm-hmm. of. But that is also the book. The book is yep. also the most family friendly, child friendly of the series. Yeah, I think people were like, oh, you know, the Chris Columbus movie isn't an, an inspired choice, but it behind this, like maybe you know, you could have got somebody who could push the limits, and they do, you know, down the line get people once they're older it makes yes. sense to get those people but, but for these fir- the first two movies yes. perfect but now especially ever since that special mm-hmm. I have seen a lot of people you know come out and praise and in that special they do as well kind of praise the importance of Chris Columbus to this series yes because I think you're right he is the perfect choice because these scenes are almost predominantly all children actors there's very few scenes in here that doesn't like I mean Dana Radcliffe adult actors Dana Radcliffe is in almost every single scene <laughs> literally it's, almost every single scene of this movie the opening scene yep. is like the, the only scene he's not in I think yeah with uh, Dumbledore and McGonagall and Hagrid he's yeah. not in that scene and that's that's and it that's basically it I mean yeah. he's in the rest of this movie from the Dursleys all the way through Hogwarts all the yeah. way to the end of the, sh- the movie at the very last shot I mean but it needs to be that because yeah. he is well this it's called Harry Potter and the it's called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone but we're also he's kind of our uh, conduit into this world of course because what what he is seeing what he is um coming to know and like exploring like everything he's finding out about this world the audience is also finding out about this world so it it, in a way it's really cool that he is in every scene of this movie he kind of has to be and also the majority of these scenes are like even when they're doing like the the lessons yeah it's one adult actor (laughs) as a teacher (laughs) yeah and just you you know the the three main kids maybe the maybe draco malfoy and then just a whole bunch of child yeah a bunch a whole bunch of child actors from all the different houses just in a class a lot of respect to Chris Columbus and you're right there is footage of just like it looks like chaos it looks like chaos the actors talking about this movie are like it was chaos they're like like, it was nuts I think specifically somebody like calls out Rupert Grint like they were like oh Rupert Grint was terrible like he like like, he like just loved like the the limelight and like he was hard to handle so Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, not not like difficult, but like just like a lot, like a lot. Like he was energetic. Yeah, and like, he was. Yeah, he, so. he was a very energetic kid. Like fun, like yeah. fun. He I mean, was an he energetic, fun kid. Fun, yeah. yeah. Which that's perfect for. That's exactly what you need. Right. Exactly. But now, written by Steve Cloves, you know, to take this book Mm -hmm. and to give to somebody and say, make this into a movie, right? Yeah. And what they have to do, like, it's very impressive. And he is on seven out of of eight of these movies. Mm -hmm. He misses one movie in this entire series. He misses, he's not here for Order of the Phoenix. It's the only movie he's not in on. That's interesting. That's the one you don't like. <laughs> Maybe that's why you don't like it. Maybe because Steve Close wasn't involved. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but th- this guy does a really uh, fantastic job of like uh, translating this world into movies because yeah. you, it's not as simple as like you can't just give somebody the book and say, well, this is our script. Like yes. You have to, how does this look? How does this, how is this structured? How mm-hmm. You know, combining things and, and how to do this. So right. it is fascinating. And, you know, I know, like, you know, you could say, like, well, 99% of the work's done for him. And, and to an extent, you know what I mean? You're right. Like, he's not sure. coming up with characters. But yeah, no. just how do you make this work for a screen? You have to plot it. Yeah, I think is I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah. So. It's one of the best adaptations of a book, really, of yeah. all time. And like we said, it is the most loyal. And a lot of that credit goes to Steve Cloves for being able to condense that. I mean, not condense it. It's a long movie. Yeah. But, like, to be able to translate that to the screen so and well, it's he, it's really impressive. 
impressive. He did give a lot of credit to J.K. Rowling as well because, of course, she's going to be a, a you know a tool for him to use to right. kind of bounce off of and be like, why do you, how do you think this would work? And Absolutely, stuff. So, yeah. Of course, budget, my friend. This is a budget of one hundred twenty-five million dollars. Man, they paid out. So, they paid out. They yeah. wanted it to be big, and uh, you can see it. You can see that this Absolutely. is a big budget movie. I mean, again, and we'll I will get into it as we talk more. But just, you know, some of the effects are a little you know well, whatever it's here and there. It's yeah. two thousand. You know, it makes sense, and you can forgive it for that. But like, you can see the money in this movie. Of I course. mean, some of these like set designs and the, the the way. Oh my god! Like the interior of Hogwarts, the castle, everything is just yep. so yeah. It's it's <laughs> I mean beautiful. It's beautiful. It's so well done, and yeah. I just I don't I I'm blown away that they were able to do that. But this budget goes into that. That's why. Well, you know, it paid off because so I have two uh, box offices here. This had a, apparently like an original box office of nine hundred seventy four point seventy five million dollars. Wow! But in two thousand twenty, this was re released in China, and this film now has a box office of one point one seven billion dollars. My friend, it's we a are billion in, dollar. We are in the billions. Yeah, I mean, but also, can we also just like again? And I know the books were were out for a few years before the movie came, and this is an adaptation, and people were looking forward to it. But the fact that on its first run, it well, almost that I don't I don't know. Well, I mean, I mean, like uh, the original run before the China re-release, yes. made almost a billion. Well, I again, I don't know if that does include any other re-releases that may have happened. Sure. I could not find that, but it just I looked up I looked up the box office and right. that, that it gave me those two numbers and it said that this was the original box office and this was it. So I know these movies are kind of always getting re-released, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's like, fe- you know, I mean, there's festival. I know when um, Deathly Hollows was coming out, I believe no, was, yeah. theaters were running. I mean, I know the Regal near near us, that was they were running a marathon yeah. where you could come in and you could see from Sorcerer's Stone to Deathly Hollows, like part one or whatever it was, yeah. or Half-Blood, whatever it was. So, and, and that money obviously goes towards the box office. So that could be included in the overall box office yeah. as well. But regardless, I mean... It's still a very impressive it's just, It's just... Yeah. In, it's insane. It is. I mean, this series, both the books and the movies in their own right, mm-hmm. were a phenomenon. Yeah. Like, it really... Oh. Like, this... And, and that's what that's what this felt like. I mean, this did dominate our childhood because... Yes. First, it was the books, and that was a phenomenon. And then it was the movies, and that was a phenomenon. Yes. Like, the fact that... You know, usually when you have an adaptation, it's like, oh, like, oh, that that's cool, like they're out, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. it's like, no, they, they were, the movies were just about the just movies, as popular as the movie, the books. The were, movies so. were highly anticipated. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a big deal. I I mean, I I still kind of remember like Harry Potter mania in a way. Like I, you know, I, again, I read every book and just how exciting it was when a new book came out. Oh yeah, was insane. Parties and events, parties, and bookstores events. And- I remember going to like when we would have like. The scholastic book fairs at school i remember going in there and they would have a whole section just for harry potter and the new book you know there would be prisoner of azkaban one year then goblet of fires there the next year and it was such a big deal yeah. and they, it was an event every single time a book came out and you know people lining up outside of bookstores for the midnight release oh, yeah. <laughs> like i don't think we've seen something that impactful no. for a very nope. long time like since harry potter it's probably the last majorly impactful franchise of this level where there was a mania yeah. about it well they mentioned in the hbo max special that like apparently like reading was kind of on, on a decline in you know with with use yes. like children were not reading books and as this often reinvigorated and this reinvigorated it. it yeah so. and there hasn't really been a book since that has done now that. 
um, to that level. I think I think the thing is too is and again I know this is kind of all over the place, but like these books grew with an audience. Like this this book and this movie, like I mentioned, is a very family friendly, very child oriented yes. book. But as we go through the movies, as we go through the books, they kind of start aging with. So this is like a eight, nine, ten year old, yeah. you know, and then you go into like maybe an eleven year old, twelve year old. Yep. Then you get into like the teens. She you know writes I mean? like, with the audience. Exactly. Which I loved that that happened. And then and, and the movies do the same thing. Thing. And yeah. I think, you know, they get like, darker in tone. Yeah. And, but I think by the time they ended, this was geared more towards like teenagers. And I think, For sure. I think yeah. what happened is then we saw a, a sweeping of teen books. So we yes. saw like the Twilights and Hunger Games and stuff like that. Yes. yes. But Divergent, you know, Maze Runner, it, exactly. all that stuff. And, but I think that that the youths, that the children yep. kind of got left out because yes. I think that people forgot that this originated geared towards more younger absolutely. audiences. Absolutely. So, uh, but no, you're, you're absolutely right. So, I mean, it was a kind of a phenomenon. So very impressive numbers there. Very, yeah. we've only had a handful of billion dollar movies. And, so, yeah, uh, Philosopher's Stone is one of them. Yep. Let's talk Rotten Tomato score, my friend. Yes. We have a Rotten Tomato score. Critics have this certified fresh at 81%. Great number. Great number. Um, like it. And audiences fresh at 82%. Yeah, they like this one too. This so. was, like I said, this was kind of a fan favorite. Yeah. And I know those numbers fluctuate uh, as we go through the movies more because some people, you know, again, some audiences like one movie Not more as than much the as other. you think. Not as much as I think. Okay. I think the critic ratings do, don't they? Not as much as you think. Really? I thought there was one that in particular that they didn't like. Not as much as you think. <laughs> Well, here on vague me. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll um, just no, I'm, but I totally understand what I'll, you're saying. But those numbers are very good. I'll I mean, just tell you straight up. I'm pretty sure, off the top of my head, that this is every movie is every movie is fresh. Right, right, yeah. but at like a different level. Of fresh. Um, yeah, but not that much. I don't okay, think it's that cool. much. All right, so, well, that's good to hear. Well. So. Yeah, great numbers. I like that. Well, my friend, you want to talk about this cast? Boy, we got a cast to get through, my so, friend. Okay. So I, I'm assuming you're doing the main characters I, and some of the more important teachers. I'm going to read off as many people as I can. Oh, great. Okay. Okay. We don't need to talk about everybody. I don't okay. plan on talking about everybody. But because this is the first movie in I the agree. series. I agree. With let's this. get... And, and for the most part, most of these people are just through to the end. Right. So we're There's just one going to... Yeah, and I think... As well, we can just say, but Richard Harris is kind of the one I think we need to give a little love to because yeah, he's only, he's only in, the in the first, first two. two. Yeah, and we can talk about him a little yeah, bit. Of but course. there are tent poles we need to hit here. I'm just going to read off and hit everybody. everybody. We're not going to be doing a Seamus Finnegan here, everybody. Well, I'm going to. You can it, mention him, but we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> no, it, or we can talk about maybe vaguely the the kid cast. Works for me. So so. Let's do it. But let's read through this. So we have starring Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley, Emma Watson as Hermione Granger, Robbie Coltrane as. Ruby as Hagrid, Richard Harris as Albus Dumbledore, Alan Rickman as Servius Snape, Maggie Smith as Minerva McGonagall, Julie Walters as Molly Weasley, Tom Felton as Draco Malfoy, Richard Griffiths as Vernon Dursley, Fiona Shaw as Petunia Dursley, Harry Melling as Dudley Dursley, John Cleese as Nearly Headless Nick, Warwick Davis as Phileas Flitwick, he's also a goblin teller at Gringotts and is the voice of Griphook the Goblin as well, embodied by Vern Troyer, just give him a little mm-hmm. shout out. Ian Hart as Professor Quill, John Hurt as Ms. Ollivander, David Bradley as Argus Filch, Matthew Lewis as Neville Longbottom, 
Devin Murray as Seamus Finnegan, Alfred Ennick as Dean Thomas, James and Oliver Phelps as Fred and George Weasley, Bonnie Wright as Ginny, Jamie Waylett as Crab, Joshua Herdman as Goyle, and our dear friend of the show, Luke Youngblood as Lee Jordan. All right, let's start at the bottom and work to the top. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. We're but not first off, you know, when we did the Fast and Furious franchise, yeah. we, we came across Luke Youngblood as part of the cartoon. Love the name. Love the name. Didn't realize at the time that he was part of this. Yeah, he and was a part of the We realized later, yes. like, oh my God, it's Lee yeah, Jordan so from Harry here's, Potter. Here's what's really funny. We were watching the Harry Potter trivia show that they came out with, with Helen Mirren, which also came out around the same time as the special. Yeah. And we're watching it, and I, I'm like sitting there, and Helen Mirren goes, oh, and our special announcer, Luke Youngblood. And I was like, what? And I like <laughs> leaned forward, and he comes out, and I was like, oh my god. So I started researching him, and I went, he was in like the first couple Harry Potter movies. Yeah. And I texted you, and you went, I wanted to text you this. And we were kind of just <laughs> talking about it, but we did not know at the time. No. That he was involved in the early Harry Potter movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to now give Mr. Luke Youngblood his due. Luke, <laughs> you're great in the movie, man. Love the name, too. Love the Love name. name. You're but, fantastic. Um, yeah, let's let, let's encapsulate this entire child cast. You know what I mean? Like Neville sure. Longbottom, James Finnegan, Dean Thomas, all these people. Great little, you know, they don't have much to do. They don't have much to do. You uh, know, um, Neville's kind of, I, I think Neville's the bit of a standout. Yeah. He has a couple things more to do. But the other ones, you're right. They're they're all kind of just there. They, <laughs> really, they, you don't really learn about they them They have much. moments as you go through the movies. Yes. They have moments, especially, you know, they all mean, everybody means more when you get to the end. But yeah, it, this just goes to, overall, I want to say with this whole cast, but those kids as well. This is possibly one of the best casted movies I think I've ever seen in my life. It's extremely extremely well cast and all these children are casted perfectly yep. but specifically and we'll get there when we get there those those three main kids are casted perfectly all the teachers are casted perfectly and that's kind of the general like vibe of this whole thing is yep. just casted perfectly casted like, perfectly i so, mean, literally i don't think you could find a better cast no and the the kid actors you're right they all just make it feel like a living breathing world here they yeah. all what really works is that all these kid actors kind of all have that wonder in their eyes still. Yeah. And it just works so well. And they all feel like their character and they all grow with those characters. And you're just like, this is just so well done. Like they all are just on point. They exactly, they know what they have to do and they all bring character moments yeah. to the movie to feel like it's just another day at Hogwarts. Yep. You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, I couldn't put it better myself. Um, But is there anybody in here before we, you know, I, I guess we can talk about the teachers and we'll do the three main obviously but well, who else, is there anybody else you want to talk about sure um well let's throw in mr tom felton who okay. plays draco yes. i think he has a pretty he, good supporting he, role uh, in this movie. he's the fourth kid he's the, the fourth the kid fourth main important yeah kid. he's yeah. kind of the fourth main important kid um and we'll hit the, the main three but focus on him for a second i really enjoy his performance in this movie he i think is he is such a snake relishing in the relishing. evilness of this character I mean, yeah. that introduction of him walking out just going so i guess it's true harry potter has come to Hogwarts you're like you're like who the fuck are you man like you look at this kid? kid and you're like I hate this kid like yeah, just look at him walks, I hate this and you kid walk, yeah you're like, like I hate him he's got the hair slicked back but then he walks up and he's just like he's like oh you're gonna find that there's other wizarding families that are more important than others oh I can help you there and he puts the hand out and you're just like you're like get out of here man <laughs> he, he does that whole kind of like if I had to equate it to like real world he kind of like seems like a kid who came from like a wealthy family oh, and, well, and that's out what of, it is is what it is <laughs> and he's completely out of touch with like reality. 
know what I mean? And it's very much what it is. He relishes it. Yeah. And that is something that continues through a lot of these well, movies. And his character changes, obviously, mm-hmm. as it goes on. But these early movies, that's his role. And he just kills it. But in this movie in particular, loved it. He's going to be great. such a great character to look at because of he is the perfect example of like, you know, the you are like a child represents the family they come from, the beliefs that, you know, yes. they're kind of pushed on a child at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And he is the way he is because of his family. And when yes. we get to explore that more, that's going to be fun to talk about. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, but, but yeah, he for is... For this first one, excellent. Um, but anybody um, else you want to point let's, out? Um, let's also just give a little bit of love to the Dursleys, the Dursley family. Yes. Um, we might as well, because that's kind of, outside of that first scene, they're kind of the first quarter of this movie yes. in a way. Like, they're there for quite a bit at the it's beginning. Like the first 15 minutes. First yeah. 15 minutes, it's all about the Dursleys. And I, I think we can give them a little love, because they kind of pop up here and there yeah. throughout the movies, but they're not as important, I think, as we see in this the, one. The, they give more love in the first two, and then they kind of they kind of disappear a little bit bit. yeah Yeah. so but for this movie in particular um i think it's it's so well casted yeah how good they are i mean vernon and petunia are just literally like the step parents from hell yeah you don't want to live in this house (laughs) like you don't want to live in this house they also have had the spawn from hell their son dudley dursley who is just also just want to say has become a great actor yeah just like really a great actor Harry Melling, yeah. Harry Melling has yeah. become such a great actor. But in this movie, he's so good as just this, like, kind of, like, porky, but, like, spoiled child oh, yeah. who gets, I mean, completely spoiled child to the point where he gets whatever he wants. And you hate this kid, like, 15 minutes in. When that birthday thing happens and Harry goes in the kitchen and what does Petunia say to Harry? Don't burn the breakfast yeah. again. And what's what's going on with Dudley Dursley? How many presents do I have? I counted 36. 36? I had 37 last year. And you're like, oh, I hate this kid. It's funny because, you know, you talk about next to Draco Malfoy because Draco Malfoy is like the, you love to watch the kid that you don't like. Like, this kid's a snake, but he's so entertaining. But you want to watch him. You want to watch him. He's engaging. And then you look at Harry Melling's Dudley Dursley and you're like, get this kid off my screen. Get this kid off my screen. I hate hate this kid. Again, he's meant, you're meant to. You're meant to. Yeah, I hate this kid. He's literally want they want to give you the polar opposites yeah. of here's Dudley but and here's Harry. The, the, you know, Richard Griffiths and Fiona Shaw though as Vernon and Petunia, you know, you're right. They don't have too much time. Yes. But like they have the little moments. Like they do a lot especially um Fiona Shaw does a lot of like face acting. Yes. In the in the background like you know obviously uh Richard Griffiths gets, gets to revel in like Vernon going crazy with the owls mm. and you were wonderful, like just insanity, and he's like, "I love Sundays. Why do I love yeah. Sundays?" Within the first, the first fifteen minutes is just the unraveling of Vernon Dursley. That's really what it is. It's an entirely different movie. Uh, but like when Hagrid's there and he's talking to Harry about like, you know, you're a wizard and stuff. Like their faces, like they're so not even mad. They're like, disappointed. They're disappointed, but they're also kind of disgusted. Yeah, like like Richard Griffiths is thing where like hangs his head and he looks like he's defeated almost. Yes. Like he knows like they've been running from this moment their entire lives, and, and here it is in front of here it is in front of them that they can't avoid it and their lives will never be the same right you know, from, from this moment, moment on, on. Yeah. yeah exactly and you, and you can even see in that conversation as Hagrid is telling Harry all of this and Harry goes to Petunia and says you knew about this and she's just so disgusted of course we did she's like of course we did and she's like she's like I could see her for what she would you know just the way she says like a freak like she's just so ugh like she's like I, I you can tell she hated her sister it's hatred but it's also like again she is kind of a more complicated character than mm-hmm. we get especially in the books we get more of like this backstory of her and her relationship well, there's, there's her a relationship with them there yeah with her she thinks her parents favor yes 
Lily. Yes, and and you know because she was you know a witch and everything yes. like that. And you know, like I said, there's more exploration in the books. They don't have time to dedicate that to you know the movies. Exactly. But um, Fiona Shaw kind of you know seems like she is aware of that, and she does find finds ways to include that with her facing. Yes. Her face isn't like yes, yeah, she does call her sister a freak, but like you could tell like it's also like it is jealousy. Like it's more than just like anger. It's, it's jealousy. jealousy. It's, it's, it's it's all that stuff that kind of comes with like siblings, right? Exactly. Like, you know everyone experiences that in their life where you well, have a moment with your siblings where you're jealous of them because it you know, is a you're, you know the parents favor you think your parents favor one when really it's just they're happy for that per, your sibling's accomplishment and you should be too yeah. it is you know a lot of like well why her you know why not right. me you why know, not why, me? Right. you know what i mean so i get that so yeah the, you're right the, they, they deserve all they the deserve love. all the love um, and i just want to say too in that scene i love when uh vernon dursley on the side there while petunia's doing the speech vernon's just sitting there and he's just like he's just beating <laughs> eyed he's like he's squinting at him yeah. he's so disgusted and he's just like he's like oh you harry oh i want to <laughs> mm, i hate your family like you can yeah. just tell he's like steaming and i just they do such a great job and i think you're right i just want to give them a little love right. too because as we go on we're not gonna be able to talk about them as much so yeah. i figure we uh give them their love now in this first episode um well how about ian hart since he's only in this movie as professor quill yes um, and, um, and, and and you know ian really hart, spoiler the villain the of this villain, movie i think he plays the role really well yeah he's not um, in it as much he's not in it a lot like we're introduced to him like right at the very beginning well not the very beginning but when hagrid takes him into the bar he's one of the first go. wizards that we see yeah he's one of the first wizards and he, he the stuttering is really well done and he kind of does the whole you know as we learn it's just a face for what's going on in the back of yeah. his head there <laughs> but it's it's it, it's very well done i think as far as like a first villain for a movie goes i think he was the perfect first villain yeah um, and obviously that's in the book too but like he he encapsulates that really well yeah and I, he does exactly what he needs to do i'm glad that they got he's like the because it's funny because he's like the one character because everybody is you know just kind of recurring and they come back yeah. and they come back and nobody really talks about Quirrell. no he kind of comes and goes they yeah. mention him a couple of times more in the book like when they talk about like the curse of right the there's like a curse on the defensive against the dark arts teacher yes yes um but like as a like a character they this is the only time we see him we don't yeah. ever learn where he came from from why he got involved with Lord Voldemort, yeah. why he let him live on the back of his head like that. I don't I, get I it. I think there's but. a little bit more in the book, if I remember, but it's still, it's not fully explained, but it's a little, it's not bit, fully it's a little explained, bit more. And I but. don't think they ever do. And I don't think you need to. I think you just no. kind of get the vibe that my theory is that he just kind of sold himself and out to I, I, uh, I think Voldemort. It's, it's interesting too, you know, when, you know, we get the, the, the design on the back of the head. Yeah. I think it looks pretty good still. I still, oh yeah, and, for sure. Like that reveal is really good. Yeah. He's taken off the, uh, the turban and then he just kind of pulls it down and you see that face you're like oh it's so good like it's a great reveal and and he looks good too yeah and like obviously this was you know done before they knew what Voldemort was going to look like in the movies mm -hmm. but the, the face it still looks like it could be like you know the face that we end up seeing in you know in, in the, the future later movies, in the later yeah. movies yeah so like it's a good, nice design I mean again maybe that's because of the description in the book but right. yeah it's it's really good looking so yeah, yeah. He, he does a good job there um, but what else who else do you want to shout out who, who do you want to talk about do you want to we hit uh, Ian Hart uh, the villain I think that was a major one do you um, want to just run through the teachers real quick we're going to run through the teachers let's run through the teachers here's who I want to start with though very quickly you didn't mention her in the list but uh, Zoe Wanamaker as Madam Hooch I have some issues here <laughs> I have some issues here 
This isn't the, the performance. This isn't the, no. Okay, so I'll say this: the, her performance is very good. I like her performance. She's only in this movie, yeah. uh, which is interesting that she doesn't come back at any capacity. I think that's very interesting, but it makes sense because where do you fit, you know, the broomstick flying teacher exactly? <laughs> it, it makes sense. I want to say about the character, Madame Hooch, one of the worst Hogwarts professors. <laughs> Maybe ever. Like, can we talk about how when she's running this class of 11-year-olds learning to fly a broom, she does not have a broom of her own to, like, I don't know, like, manage in case a child goes flying off, say, someone like Neville Longbottom, who the broom just kind of takes off. He can't control it. Where is your broom, Madam Hooch? Where is your broom? Why are you not on a broom flying up there to bring him back down? Instead, she chastises him. She blows her... Mr. Longbottom, come back down here. Come back down here. What the f*** are you talking about? Come back down. He can't. He can't. He's 11. Go up there and get him. Fly. Fly. That's my Jerry Seinfeld. Fly. Do you like jazz? Fly. Like, I just... I don't understand. And I'm like, what is going on here? And it still does not make sense to me to this day. And then he crashes, yeah. falls down, and she runs over and is like, it's like, oh, your wrist, oh, oh, let me get you to the nurse. And I'm like, oh, what are you going to do? Go lie to the nurse now? Are you going to walk in there and go, oh, I tried to bring him down? I know that's what she does. She doesn't care about those kids. If she did, she'd be on a broom flying up to go well, she does. She leaves a group of 11-year-olds. She, and then she walks away and says, I'm going to walk him to the nurse. Nobody fly away on these brooms. These are 11-year-old kids who are active, who want to learn things. Of course, they're going to fly on the broom. Like, when Draco takes off, you go, oh, yeah, of course, because he's 11, and why wouldn't he do that? Like, that's what kids want to do. They want to explore, so why would he not take off on that broom? She, It's so stupid. And then um, you made a really good point, because I was texting you this. Then the Quidditch match comes. She's got a broom. Oh, now she has the broom. <laughs> There's the broom. <laughs> Where was that during class when Neville's flying around? You're breaking his wrist. Ah, oh, drives me crazy. <laughs> Zoe Wanamaker's great though. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted I just wanted to get that rant out there. But is it yeah, so do you want to just touch on the professors? Let's then? go through the well, professors. You know what, actually or, before we do that, I wanna I wanna say because my friend, we have another inductee into the multi multi franchise here on Franchise Me. Somebody we've already talked about before. Sure. Uh it is Mr. John Cleese. John is Cleese, now right. in, the, yes. in the second franchise that we right. talked John about. John Cleese, well, um, as we just talked about in our Shrek uh, franchise. Yeah. It's King Harold and Shrek, and here and he is, is nearly, nearly headless has Nick. Nick. Very small role. Oh, yeah. it's, it's a quick thing. It's a basically a cameo. It's basically a cameo. It's fun. It's fine. Yeah. That's all I have to say about it. Really, no, yeah. it's not, but, it just, but it is really interesting give that him we a now... Let's, let's give him a moment. You have... John Cleese, you have now been inducted with John Lithgow. The Johns, if you will. Have now been, uh, and, I mean, you know, you could make a case for Luke Youngblood, but he wasn't in the movie we watched. We, did, no, no, we no. mentioned him, but he yeah, wasn't in the movie He was not in the movie. He was yeah. not in the movie. I think this is, a, this is a distinct honor, as we know. So now we have uh, John Lithgow and John Cleese, the two we never would have thought no, would have no. been the first ones to get this honor, but no. here they are. So, yeah. But now we can talk about the teachers. Let's jump into so, the teachers. Um, Who do you want to start with? Uh, you know, technically not a teacher, but, you know, the kind of the, the face of the wizarding world for a lot of children let's talk about uh, robbie coltrane as ruby is hagrid yeah let's start with hagrid yeah. um wonderful character wonderful performance he is so well casted and mm-hmm. you can also tell through that uh 20th anniversary special that he loved playing hagrid mm-hmm. like he, he has such a love for the character and the world and that really came through in the movies and in particular this movie because you're right he kind of is the face he's while harry is kind of the conduit for us 
Hagrid is the guide mm-hmm. into this new world. I mean, you know, the whole segment in Diagon Alley, he's taking him through and he's basically just explaining the wizarding world yeah. to him and he's explaining everything that, he, how this all works. It's a very important part because if he doesn't, one, capture that sen- sentimentality yes. between him and Harry, uh, but two, doesn't properly explain this world and what's mm-hmm. going on, then this movie doesn't work. Yes. So he has, like, he has honestly, like, the most important part in this movie. 100%. Of introducing, because you're right, Harry is to represent the audience. So when he talks to Harry about what's going on, he's telling us, this is Diagon Alley. This is you Diagon know, this Alley. This is Gringotts. You're, you're a wizard. Yeah. You can have, oh, oh, let's get an owl. You need a wand. Let's yeah. do this. We're you know? going to go, you're going to go to Hogwarts, which is yeah. a school for witchcraft exactly. and wizardry. Here's here's Lord Voldemort. He, we don't speak his name. Yeah. Here's why he we don't do that. He yeah. explains all of the basics that you need to know right off the top. And I just love that role. And he's, I mean, he's in the first uh, scene of this movie. Yeah. You know, he flies down holding baby Harry. Yeah. I mean, and the connection is just so deep for him and Harry. Because like, he was the one to, to get him out of that house after uh, Voldemort gets whatever happened blown away after the spell reverses on him. He's the one that goes to the house and gets Harry out and brings him to the Dursleys. I mean, he has this connection with Harry. They introduce that connection right away and it is powerful throughout all the movies. And, and, you know, again, we'll get there. I know, like, you know, they don't always have time for the character. Yeah, Hagrid, Hagrid, again, I think is kind not as, um, not like the Dursleys, but I feel like the role does minimize quite a bit as it goes on. I think just about all the teachers basically do. Except outside of, like, the main, like, you know. It's like Snape. It's like Snape. And I, I would even argue like McGonagall kind of stays up there a little bit a little bit um you know she gets moments but like for these again for this performance I mean it really is such a great great performance here and to me it's it's kind of it's kind of one of the standouts um because I just think he's excellent in the role and I think this is one of the movies where he gets to shine and guide the audience absolutely you know and he's in a he's in a very good chunk of this movie so (laughs) um well how about Alan Rickman as Surfer's Snake whew Boy, uh, oh boy. This is... I could... If somebody wants to make an argument with me about, like, well, maybe this person doesn't capture this character, yep. maybe this person doesn't capture this character, this is the character. This is like, the character. This is... In a movie that has almost perfect casting, this is the best casting. Yes. This is absolutely perfect. He encapsulates his character. Obviously, you know, I don't even think I need to save this for fun facts because it's become very obvious that yes. apparently he had... He communicated with J.K. Rowling very early on yes. while playing this character about what was the intentions of this character, where does this character go. He was the only one he was the know. only one to know the kind of the long game yes. of what was happening with his character, and he plays it like that. And, and you he, can see he it. plays it like that. And props to him for keeping that secret. He never told anybody. Yeah. He talked to her and said, "Where does this character go?" And it really, for me, kind of like changes how I watch the movies because you can see that coming through in the performance more, where he's like, "Oh, yeah, he's protecting Harry." Yeah. But you know, uh, when you when you if you don't read the books, or maybe you did read the books, um, you still get the sense that like Snape there's something up with Snape when you don't know the long game. Yeah. But when you know the long game and you know where this character is going, it changes everything about that performance yeah. going in and you're like, wow. And, you know, and Alan Rickman kind of has, the performance is so good, but he also just has this distinction of playing, in my opinion, probably one of the greatest fictional characters of all time. You know, I mean, Snape is one of the best of all time, in yeah. my opinion. Like, and it's because of the change. Yeah. You know, and Harry Potter, yes, it's a great character. I understand that. But like, Snape is also, to me, an equal important character I mean he's yeah, a very important character um, and yeah. one of the to me one of the greatest fictional characters ever written just mm-hmm. for how he changes at the very end and what he becomes well, and, what, and what we 
understand him to be. It's not even go, about changing. Oh. Is that he was always he well, not always was this way, and we kind of get you're this absolutely reveal. Right. It's, yeah. it's like it, not changing, but you're absolutely right. It's more of a reveal, and you discover, oh, he's been protecting Harry through all of these years. Yeah, that's crazy. I can't believe that. But then you, you know, the, I, and that's later talk. But it, it is it is a real distinction and an honor for him to play that. Yeah, and I, I I just think Alan Rickman, you're right, yeah. is perfectly Be- cast and another standout. Yeah, in this. because like. If you look at this movie, he doesn't do much. Like, he, he comes in and goes, Mr. Potter, and then he leaves. And that's really it. Like, Well, he has one of the best line readings of all time. Harry Potter. I'm not going to do a good Alan Rickman, <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. Harry Potter. Our new celebrity. Come on. Yeah, it's it's great. I still do that to people it's sometimes. Great. I'll walk in and go, oh, our new celebrity. <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, absolutely. You're right. Uh, you know, we're just sticking with the teachers. We have uh, uh, Warwick Davis as Phileas Flitwick. Flitwick. I'm surprised you um, included him. It's such a small No, role. it is. But he's also, well, first off, I you're, love, well, you're, I, ta- you're talking Warwick Davis, who is a very good actor. I love Warwick Davis. Incredible actor. Yeah. I, I think Tony would shun us if we did mention Warwick Davis because he uh, yes, is Leprechaun. I know. And Leprechaun. I know. He's Mr. <laughs> he's Mr. Leprechaun. <laughs> so we have to mention him. Yes. Uh, great little thing. You know, again, but, you know, he, he's doing some of the stuff with, you know, that the, the goblin design, and stuff. And that character design changes later on. Oh, it on. does. Yeah. It changes later on. I have some information about that when yeah, we get there. I'm really curious. I, I, I always wondered that. I didn't actually realize Flitwick changed until, like, later in the And I went, oh, yeah, the guy with, like, the white beard. That changes. And yeah. But it's it's very, it's a very good little thing that he has. And the charm, I think it's charms. It's the yeah, charms it's just, class. And yeah. it's fun. They, again, it's, it's just perfectly casting this yes you know this universe and he plays so. grip hook the goblin you said yes well yeah he does the so he does the voice of grip hook of grip hook and Vern troyer does the the body very nice yeah. okay yeah so, again not much to say there but let's talk about maggie smith as minerva mcgonagall so another one of the one of these early movies where she has a pretty big role, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and again, as we kind of said, her role kind of diminishes as these movies go on. But in these early movies, she's kind of a, a big part of them. Yeah. Again, another another one of uh, the people in the opening scene of this movie. Yeah. She's in the opening scene. Um, has that connection with Harry in a weird way because her character and Harry also kind of have a connection. There's a maternal. Movies. There's a maternal thing, thing there. there. You know, she's there in the opening scene to be there for when baby Harry is dropped off. Yeah. But then as it goes on, she is kind of the maternal figure well, to them and she has some good line reads too oh, yeah. she's she's got that you know curt sternness yes. about her where yep. she's like she has like an expectation like when they show up to class late and she's like she's like oh maybe i can make you a map and you can show up on time you know because you, you got lost and yeah. it's just it's very like she expects them but it's all out of like you can kind of tell this maternal love yeah, to is, please show up on time it's the tough outer shell but yes. inside like you know we we always see this for a lot of these movies or the early movies this like tough shell and as we go through and things happening more and more to yeah. Harry especially in the last movie you know we mm-hmm. see that kind of pull back a little bit and we see that she she loves and cares about this uh, well all of her students really yes. all of her students all of her, no I would say um, she's like kind of the all star teacher yeah, she loves her students but, but you know obviously this special relationship with Harry mm-hmm. with Harry again that's highlighted more in the books unfortunately yeah, we don't get absolutely. that fully but yeah it is great to watch that development and yeah. she is she is perfect she's excellent and yeah. she you know yeah and she plays a big role in Harry's life I mean even beyond that I mean she she gets him the secret position on the Quidditch yeah. team yeah that, you know, that she's, is I love that you know I obviously know but like I love like you think he's going to be in trouble and she's like I found you a well, secret from, like, from what I remember what I actually remember this from the book yeah I, I remember this little part from the book where because in the movie it's portrayed 
portrait. She sees him catch the remember all. She comes down, takes him, in the, and in the movie, she just takes him, gets Oliver Wood, and then says, here's your seeker. In the book, you know, it's Harry's inner thoughts. So when he's walking through the hall and, they're, and they go to Quirrell's class, she opens the door and she goes, Professor Quirrell, can I borrow wood? And then in Harry's thoughts, he's going, oh my God, is she going to beat me with a piece of wood? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that was like the thing yeah. in the book. And I was like, that's very funny. But yeah. they, obviously they can't really relate that in the movie. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's funny to think like when you have that backstory of the book and you go, Harry thinks he's going to get beat in this moment <laughs> with a piece of wood at a school of witchcraft and wizardry. They're going to beat him with a piece of wood. Yeah, that's funny. But she's great, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the one you did one you mentioned you wanted to mention. Um, Richard Harris as Albus Dumbledore. Yes. I so, think, again, we're not going to have... We only have to talk about him this movie and next movie. So, yeah, obviously he um, was casted, you know, for this. The intention was to go all the way. He, yes. He, he did pass away, unfortunately, after yes. the second movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got recasted, and we'll talk about that when we'll we get there. We'll talk about that in the third um, movie. But, uh, but, yeah, he... So... You know, Albus Dumbledore, you know, the the wizard, right? Kind the, of the wizard. The most powerful, talented, Everyone knows Albus Dumbledore. Yeah. You know, friendly, kind, loving wizard. Yes. Um, and has one of the best names of all time. I just want to say, Albus Dumbledore? Mm-hmm. Come on. Uh, he, the character is really interesting. And yes. also, obviously, you know, through the books, again, later, we mm-hmm. find out that there's much more to this character. A lot more. A lot more. Yeah. And we're th- they're kind of exploring that. And they're kind that of exploring that now with Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts. Beasts. Yeah. Yes. I mean, literally, it's called The Secret. Of Dumbledore. If that's not a cry for help, I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because I've heard people kind of like talk about, you know, the two Dumbledores, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of comparison between yeah. the two. Michael Gambon, who takes over the role later, and yes. again, we'll talk about him when we get to the third movie, but like, I think like this is more of the sweet elder Dumbledore, and Michael so Gambon's more of the, the brash and, and the intimidating. intimidating. I almost feel like the Dumbledore we get in the first two movies is the perfect Dumbledore, and then when Michael Gambon takes over the role, and we talk about that, I am maybe in the minority here that I like Michael Gambon's performance. I do too. And I think it is actually more appropriate I, later I on. I prefer him. And I actually don't see how Richard Harris would have been able to do that later on. Well, that's on. exactly what I was going to say. Because is... he's so sweet in this movie and the second movie that I don't see how he would yep. be able to encapsulate what he has to encapsulate, especially in like Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. You know, the layers that are revealed about this character and Michael Gambon, I think, does a better job of that. We'll talk him when we get to him, yeah. but in a way, I think Richard Harris was perfect for these first two movies. Yes. I... Especially for children you know when yeah. you're being introduced to this world you want the sweet Albus Dumbledore yeah. you don't want kind of uh, rough around the edges Dumbledore <laughs> just yet going Harry did you put your name into the goblet and like yelling at you know Harry Potter he's like yeah no I didn't and he's like shaking him and he's yeah. like here's like who is this guy is this Dumbledore like oh my god it, it's, um, <laughs> it, you're, you're absolutely right I think Richard Harris is better for these two movies yes. and I think Michael Gammon's better for those movies I, I know again I know people you're right people don't really love that later performance and again we'll get there but i could not see richard harris going the distance in these movies because right. I, I was like what does that look like but like maybe maybe there's more to it like they look again when i watched the harry potter special i rewatched mm-hmm. it before this episode they do mention that like he was like that richard harris was very like energetic and like kind of like a like a kid in a grown adult right. body right so like maybe there was more of a like energy to him because he maybe is, there was he's very reserved here that's kind of that was always kind of my thing i always 
always felt like he was very reserved and he almost seemed fragile. That makes sense. Yes. Like no, he you're almost right. seemed like he was brittle. Yeah. Like if he took a hit, he, he feels he would just old, like old. He feels yeah. very old. Like he kind of walks in. and even the voice he's doing where he's very like he's like Harry. Oh, it's good to. Yeah. And Michael Gambon obviously does not do that. With, yeah. He's very much more like powerful with yeah. his voice. And this one's kind of like, oh, Harry, you, you know, your parents love. And it's very, yeah. it's very grandfather. It is. Um, it, he is the grandfather of the wizarding world. He's the grandfather world. of the wizarding world. But like you said, I think for these first two movies, he's kind of the perfect Dumbledore for these two movies. And I think as soon as, because Prisoner of Askman is kind of when we start to see that shift to a darker tone. Yeah. You need that new Dumbledore. It is so almost... I, I, but I just want to say I really loved his yeah. performance in this. I think he's perfect. I, it is almost like they could have done this intentionally, almost. Yeah, and and it would have, like you know if and Richard Harris would have been alive, and it still would have made sense. Like if they just switched roles, because it is almost like we're seeing Dumbledore from the perspective of a child, right? And as Harry grows up, it's like we're seeing Dumbledore as a different as person. A different per- we're seeing and him seeing for who he really, really is, is yeah. and maybe there's more behind that, right? And I don't mean to keep mentioning Michael Gammon, but no, it's no, the no. same role. It's Hard like, not to. We, we can't really talk Richard Harris without talking, talking about, about Michael Gammon. I think you no, know. We're not talking about his performance yet. We're just. Well, kind just of say, I think he, I think Michael Gammon also does a great job with that sentimentality. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you know the strength of Michael Gambon is the intensity and the strength here is is this caring sense sensitivity almost like he, the beautiful like scenes. You're right. It is. It is like he's like pop pop whiz. You know, it's like the grandfather <laughs> of the wizard. Like <laughs> here he comes, pop pop whiz. <laughs> You know, like, it is just like, you know, when he's talking to Harry at <laughs> did the you mirror. Change your, did you change your Depends pop-up whiz? <laughs> when he's talking to Harry at the mirror, or when he's talking to Harry, you know, at the end. Like, yeah. There's it, so many things. Please, he's, he's please kind of, don't look for this ever again. He's, you know, he's like, kind of just dropping wisdom through yeah. a lot of this movie to Harry, and he's trying to guide him in his yeah. own way. But it's a very, again, you're right, it is a very grandfather pop-up whiz <laughs> type thing where he's just trying to guide him in yeah. the right direction. And he feels, obviously, you know, uh, that's, again, Harry has this connection with Dumbledore, too, yeah. has this connection like he seems to have yes. with a lot of people in yeah. this world he has this special connection with Dumbledore um, just like Dumbledore has a connection with Harry and Voldemort like yeah. he has these connections but it, it works for this first movie because you just need that introduction of a sweet yeah. Dumbledore but, and that's how Harry sees him yes. like you said that's exactly how he sees him as an 11 year old as this it, it as this amazing figure It like when they mention like oh the only wizard that Voldemort feared is, is Dumbledore it's like I look at Richard Harris Dumbledore and I'm going yeah, he's afraid of him. Like, yeah, he's afraid of him. Like, he was afraid. But of But also, guy, but, but also, it is interesting because it does. Like, maybe there is more there. Like, you know, this is this maybe there fragile there. older guy. It's like, but then maybe you know, maybe he does burst out. You know, this intensity. Maybe he does yeah, burst out. And who this, knows? So. You know, we're never going to get the answer. To Unfortunately, that question, but didn't get that, to me, so. to me, yeah. I see it as more. I think what how you put it is um, that's how Harry sees him in yeah. his eyes yeah. as an eleven year old. Like yeah. that's how we see him. But then as he ages and we start to realize the world is different, we see. Dumbledore for who he is and go oh he's got more layers and he's not exactly cookie cutter grandpa like he's got a little bit more going on and he's not exactly the sweetest person in the world you know like he kind he's kind of a little bit rough around the edges and maybe doesn't view Harry in a certain way you know so it's it's interesting but the secrets of Dumbledore secrets of Dumbledore uh but yeah no Richard (laughs) Harris 
perfect casting for this uh, yep. first movie. Well, then that brings us to the three main actors. The um, trifecta. Do you want to just talk, we talk about, about all three of together? them? Because they're basically all together the entire yeah. movie. I mean, I so, mean, Radcliffe is kind of the only one that you could separate yeah. and say, like, because he has time on his own at the very beginning of this movie. Let's just throw out there and then we just talk, talk about the Let's three. Let's just talk yeah. about them. So we have yeah. Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley, and Emma Watson as Hermione Granger. Again, not just perfectly casted for these roles, but the chemistry between them I two. was going to say, so do you think this is maybe one of, if not, the best, like, friend group ever assembled on a in a movie? Yeah, I think, I, I also think it's some of the best, if not the best, picking a child, like, child yeah. actor, child role. Like, they also, like, you know, obviously they've had, you know, they've had issues and, and yes. stuff. But, like, how they've kind of, all three have grown up to kind of do their own thing. And, mm-hmm. and they don't really seem to have any resentment towards this series. And no. They, and they all kind of seem very proud of their work. And that they was all, kind of the beautiful thing about that 20th anniversary yeah. special. Yeah. All three of them kind of seem to have found their own, like, way around Hollywood, whether it's, you know. niches. Yeah, exactly. And Whether you know, you're Radcliffe just doing all of the most wild things you possibly exactly. can. Or you're Emma Watson, who kind of does more low-key she's, roles. Well, she's kind of became, she's kind of the movie star of the three, where yeah. she did, you know, she can be a Belle in Beauty and the Beast, and yes. she can do things like that. But also, you know, when she wants to, you know, they're, yeah. you know, and Rupert Grant, you know, he's found his way, you know, he's, I think he's currently on a television show. He seems to, like, he seems the most low-key out of all of them. Like, he doesn't see, like, he kind of always seemed the one who didn't necessarily want to go and do the movie stardom after. I think Harry Potter was enough for him, and he's like, oh yeah, I can just take whatever role I want yeah. now. If I want to do a TV show, I can. If I want to do an indie movie, I can. Yeah. But there's no if I pressure. Want to do an Ed Sheeran music video, yeah, I can. There's no, there's no pressure to go <laughs> running out and yeah. find the next blockbuster, yeah. which I like about it. He just him. likes to drive around in his ice He's cream truck. He's got an truck. ice cream truck, too. Why not, you know? <laughs> but yeah, no, it, like, it is, like, they, they, they almost saw into the future and saw, like, that these mm-hmm. three actors, like, would, they really did fit perfectly in this role that yes. they managed, they managed to roll perfectly. Again, you know, I know Emma Watson talked about, you know, like, in that special that there was some trouble in the middle kind of the middle of the franchise that maybe right. she might not return or might walk away right right just because dealing with her own stuff and kind of fame and stuff like that but yeah. i sent you an article last night and you read it from literally the year 2000 yes. 22 years ago yep. and it's like the casting the boy who must live with fame yep. and like which also i like that title of the article and just talking it's about excellent. uh you know like it's literally when they casted Dana Radcliffe and talking about like how he was this unknown child exactly. actor that nobody knew. He had very little work before this Harry Potter yeah, stuff. Yeah, and what that was going to do and it is really and when we get in the cast because we'll talk a little bit yeah, more about that it's but so yeah, interesting like, to look at it and be like this unknown British yeah. boy in this role because we look at him now and I would say he's one of our finest actors out there well, right he's now just, he's just he like, just does whatever he wants but is the, the important thing Ryan and we say this all the time about him it's always interesting what yeah, he does absolutely and you always want to see what he's going to do because he takes what he wants yeah. You know, he's because not he's, gonna, he's not going to do something he doesn't want to do. He's basically set for life. Yeah, like he, he doesn't, doesn't need he doesn't need. I mean, I don't know his financial. Plan. I would imagine after doing eight, I think he's Harry fine. Potter films. I think he's fine. He's fine. You know what I mean? And he kind of you know, and we see that we see that with a lot of these. Like you know, my favorite thing is to look at like kind of like the big franchise, and there's the kind of three big examples of that of like the leads of these three franchises. This we is have, a, this is my favorite. We thing. have we, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Twilight, and we have Daniel Radcliffe, Elijah Wood, and Robert Pattinson, who are all kind of just been like, I have a lot of money from doing this big franchise. I'll do whatever I and want. Those are, and those are three of just great actors you just <laughs> named who literally do whatever they want. And I can't wait to get to Twilight just so we can talk Pattinson more. But even that. Batman. We get what but we get to talk about Pattinson in this franchise. Yes, we do. Fourth movie. Um God, he's one of our fine again. 
great <laughs> actor, man. Um, but, um, like, Radcliffe is one of those guys who can do that. Okay, so this movie. Let's talk this movie yeah, in particular, yeah. though. I truly think it's one of the best, like, friend groups you can ever <laughs> see on screen. And the chemistry between them is undeniable. It works. They all have their own personalities yes. and quirks. Like, none of them feel the same. They're not cookie cutter. They mm -hmm. all feel like they have lives that they came from and they all have very distinct personalities yeah. and it just, it works. I mean, Hermione is great. Emma Watson in that role is fantastic and watching her grow in that role is fantastic because she gets more, she gets more time later on to really showcase like her brains and how she uses them yeah. and you go, oh wow, that's really incredible and she, she kind of gets bigger roles even and they kind of tease like the whole like, <laughs> they kind of tease like the Harry Hermione thing for a little bit but then she goes, who she's yeah it's wrong <laughs> well they, they tease that uh, it could go either way it could go either of, way kind then, of yeah. but you know it's fine and then Rupert Grint is just a blast to watch yeah he he's, he's the so one much that fun. he gets to have the most fun in the role like he just kind of you know especially like you know when he's doing the chess stuff in this movie like he's clearly having he's having the time of his life, of his life. like he's you know. like in, in my opinion when I watch this movie I'm like I'm like Rupert Grint is just like the loose cannon of this friend group <laughs> like this guy's just doing whatever he wants but he but that's that's what works for Ron because he comes from this big family yeah well, he he comes from the Weasley family who, you know, everyone in Hogwarts knows the Weasleys, you know, uh, and it's like this big family thing. It's it's a it's messy. It seems cha it's chaotic in their house. And we see that later on when, yeah. we, when they go to that. It's a very chaotic household. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But I think that's kind of what molds Ron into what he is. Yeah, he's meant to be kind of this like, I'm going to do what I want because I could just get away with anything I wanted at home because we're worried about Fred and George, you know, blowing up our fireplace. <laughs> and you know sending fireworks out of the ch chimney you know yeah like, it's just cool and then harry's perfect you know i mean yeah. daniel radcliffe is truly harry potter he's perfect he, he really role. is i mean he um like i like and I, I talked to you about this like you know we look at him like today and like it, it, i'm and glad how far he's come i'm glad that he has he seems like he has embraced it because I, I again i know there was a you, time when yeah. you have a role not just for this but you know we see it with star wars and other things when you yeah. have a role like this it will kind of haunt you forever yeah and you it will haunt you if you let it or if you embrace it and kind of acknowledge it and yeah. he seems like he has finally accepted that like I agree I love my time on these movies I love this role but I'm also over here going to do my own thing now. yeah like he, don't he, expect me to come back anytime soon he very but, much he very I completely agree with you like I know when he finished these movies I think he was very happy about that I think he was kind of like you know I'm done with these movies and I can finally move on and I think there was a time there after they ended where he was very ambivalent towards it all and he just he did he, I don't think he embraced it as much when I think, he first got out or I think, maybe there was a moment I think it was Doring 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 I think and that's interesting because it feels like they all had that but I think that was part of kind of like the teenage experience well, they, again them. they say that in the special where they kind of like because they were so young they weren't really at the point where they say like are you okay are you like right. what's going on right, right. so they said like they, they kind of feel like regret that they didn't really communicate with each other their right. own like issues and like oh I kind of felt that too I didn't I never said anything like yeah, yeah. so you know but that's how, kind of how teenagers are they don't communicate Probably, yeah so. and that's how it happens and you know to kind of see where he's at now and see that he has embraced it i mean he's kind of again in that special he's kind of like the guide to that special like they use radcliffe a lot to go in and talk to people mm -hmm. and he's kind of like the guy that is yeah, going through everybody and that's just so beautiful to watch too because he's talking to everybody and you can see he's having a good time talking to them and reminiscing about things yeah. and personally like all the stuff with helena bottom carter i mean <laughs> top-notch stuff there we'll talk about we'll the special we'll, we'll, we'll talk yes 
yes. But like, it's great seeing moments like yeah. that. Yeah, and yeah, it's right. just excellent. Yeah, to see him embrace it, and yeah. and he should. His work is phenomenal through these movies. I mean, look with this movie, they are kids, right? Is it is it the best acting in the world? No, no like this is very clearly yes. This is very clearly child acting mm-hmm. in this movie, but as they get older, like they really do deliver some really good emotional. performances and emotional moments. Yeah. Like later when they, when it's needed, they they. You can see them kind of perfecting that here, and then carrying it over to the next. Movie, and and so. they're lo- and it, it's so fortunate that they were able to do that because you know you're kind of taking a shot in the dark when you're just casting. Well, that's kids, that's what it is. Right? It's you're so like, hard. Like you were basically saying to this kid, like for the next at least seven next, years, probably more. Ten, I think it ended up being. It was ten a, years, it's right? like eleven years. Ten, yeah. eleven years. It ends up taking over his life, and he's this character for all this time, and that's a big commitment. And the fact that they all grew into like being good actors or great actors is just fantastic yeah. and they deliver every single step of the way and I, I just I love that yeah yeah you're absolutely right so it's just it, I can't get over enough it is a perfectly casted movie everybody even if we didn't highlight them everybody here is just fantastic yes some people get moments in later movies I probably I, I don't know if I'll write down everybody again but just wanted to just at least say their name to give recognition to everybody here right. so really wonderful so do you want to just move on to the story then let's I think I think we did enough for the cast yeah, yeah I think yeah. we're good there let's talk some synopsis i have my little synopsis here Let's do it. when infant harry potter somehow survives the attack on his life by the evil wizard lord voldemort the now orphan harry is sent to live with his magic hating aunt and uncle when harry turns 11 he is surprised to learn of his magical heritage and finds himself a celebrity in the magical world harry attends hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry where he meets ron weasley and hermione granger the trio soon find themselves entangled in an unexpected adventure where they have to overcome obstacles and work as a team in order to find and protect the mysterious philosopher's stone there it is so, uh, you know, obviously when you talk story, like we mentioned earlier with the writer, you know, you're not just talking movie, you're talking book. Yeah. Uh, but overall, it's a really fun story. It is, the, again, can't say this enough, the most kid-friendly, the most family-friendly story. The actual, like, stuff with the stone, we were talking about this over text, really is, like, kind of a subplot here. It's kind of the side story. It's yeah. It's a subplot. This it's... movie is the introduction to this world. This is just the, we're, the, we're making this ground floor yep. to the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever yeah. movie can build on that. Yeah. Like, the plot is almost not important. Like, it is... I think overall, I would say probably the whole story probably gets like 45 minutes. It's probably 45 minutes altogether. I mean, this movie is meant to just be a world-building introduction movie. It's literally just showing you this world. It's introducing you to the aspects of how this world works and showing you how Hogwarts uh, operates. That's the point of this movie. I don't even think they get sorted into the houses until 45 minutes into the movie. Yeah, because it has all the stuff with the Dursleys, then it has all the Diagon Alley stuff, and then once they're out of Diagon Alley and they're they're actually on then there's the, the train, train sequence yep. and then they finally get into Hogwarts and they reveal the castle and then they're finally in there and then uh, McGonagall has a speech yep. and then Draco's talking to him <laughs> and then they finally go into the Great Hall and then it's that like yeah. it feels like it's like but it's well paced though yeah, yeah. and it goes it does exactly what it has to but again all while world building and yes. showing you here's how this all works it it's to me and maybe this is a, more, a little bit more opinions, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention again. I haven't mentioned in a while. I think the runtime is a little too long. This but is opinions, but but I, but well, it's also good story because it, it's weird because I think it needs to be this long, but it doesn't need to be this long. Here he is, Ryan. Ryan runtime. <laughs> 
But, run, uh, runtime Ryan's here, guys. But it, it, it's <laughs> difficult because it doesn't need it for the story, but I think it needs it for the future. So it, it is tough to say because I don't, again, I don't know what I would cut because yeah, a lot of the, there's a lot of really great stuff in here. But no, the story is just fun. It's a fun story. It is absolutely, and it, it's it's not the most important story, but it's an important movie. People are going to be so angry with this because they're going to be like that Shrek retrospective is three hours. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, well, I don't care. No, but hey, man, we were just sitting in the room. We weren't talking about individual movies. No, 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 it's fun. fine. It's fine. I like to, I like to, I like to bust you for, for no, the run times because you have such a thing with run times. Well, it's I very just, funny. And I think people who listen to the show realize that you have a thing with run times. I didn't realize this movie was two and a half hours long. <laughs> I didn't realize that. The next so. one's longer. I know it the is. The next one's 10 minutes oh, longer. Yeah. Um, mm. But like, no, I think, I, again, I think this is a world building movie and the story yeah. really is like 45 minutes altogether. And they, they introduce aspects of the story throughout it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, the stone is in the beginning with the Gringotts Bank, and they kind of they play around with it. No, you're but right. But it, it really isn't until but that, again those last forty five minutes where they start to go. Oh, we need to do this, and we have to go Hagrid. Where? What about the dog and the Sorcerer's Stone and um, all this stuff? I'm saying Sorcerer's Stone because that's what they say, but it's Philosopher's Stone. I know. I'm sorry. I'm kind of like going in between. <laughs> either or, either or, either or. Um, but it doesn't really pick up, and then even that whole last half hour where they have to go through all the trials and uh, with the chess game and and um, the devil snare and, and the, they go the, through this the whole keys, thing the yeah. keys and they go through this whole thing just to confront Quirrell yeah. and Vol- slash Voldemort you know it, it that's kind of the last 45 minutes of the movie yeah. and that's really where the story happens and that's really fascinating because you're still interested in all of but that stuff even after right. all of this world building you're right. I don't. With this movie, the story doesn't really matter. It 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 doesn't. Like it, it doesn't. There's no. so much. This is just like a it's school. random events happening. Because I think like the first couple books are like it's a, it is a year in of, of school. This yeah. is what's happening in the year in school. Here's the major events it, that happen exactly, that year. and the different things. And then it's you know we learn that there's much more, and the school kind of becomes like a background yes. thing. And it's like oh, there's much more like there's stuff going, going on here. On. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that really takes off with prisoner uh, yes. a lot yes. um, and there, there's there's things in chamber where they play around with that but I think that's kind of another thing where it's just a year of school and yeah. it leads to this big finale with the basilisk but this is more like very much a year at Hogwarts yeah exactly and I think I said this to you too this movie needs to happen oh, yeah. so we can get what we get later on 100% like you can't just like expect the audience to understand this world immediately you need to introduce everything you need to introduce how this world works why it works this way and do all of that that's the point yeah. of it. It's just to build that foundation yeah. so you can have the moments you have later on. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. So let's just, uh, you know, tie this into our opinions. Yeah. So overall, I mean, I really like this movie. I'm not, I'm kind of going back and forth with how I feel about this movie mm-hmm. over the past week since I've watched it. Just because like, well, first off, I chose to watch this movie early because I thought I would have less distractions and then <laughs> I had a bunch of distractions. Sure, sure. So my viewing experience wasn't the best. Right. But at the same time, I, I'm so familiar with this movie. I didn't almost, I almost didn't need to watch it. Of course. But I think, you know, the movie does a great job. Like I said, I, my biggest thing with this movie is is the the start of this franchise, the beginning of this world. You can't have two or three or any other movies mm-hmm. without this. Right. But it is kind of like, it does meander for me a little bit. Like, I, I do, there are a few moments where I was kind of like, okay, you know, let's kind of keep this moving a little bit. I, right. I, I think they, they, they take a little bit too much time. But at the same time, they're, I, I, they're, they're it, relishing. Yeah the, yeah. the loyalty up to the book is a positive and a negative because it's like 
you're really being loyal to the book, and just about every major event that's mm-hmm. in the book is in is in the movie. Yeah, they, they cut very little. But at the same time, it's like, you know, hey, sometimes maybe I just want to get through it a little bit quicker. And I think that that's something they become a little bit more familiar with as they get into the, like, the third or the fourth movie. They find a way to kind of mainstream the plot. Right. And kind of, we're focusing to balance, the, it's balancing the plot and balancing the... Well, I think that that's also going to come with uh, the fact that we're going to have a change of director after two. No, you're Right. I think yeah. some of this is like a Chris Columbus thing where well, maybe I think it, we have kind of the same writer for a bit. Yeah, yeah. For most of the movies. For most of the movies. But I think this is more of a maybe Chris Columbus thing where he doesn't want to cut certain things. I think he's a, I think he was afraid of a backlash if you yes. cut certain things. And obviously there was a backlash for cutting certain things. Right. But I but think like can can you blame him? I mean, no, I don't blame him at all. Like this is this is a guy who's tasked with introducing Yeah this entire world oh, yeah. to the world. Like he has to introduce the Harry Potter movies to the world. I don't blame him at all. No. And I think, again, as we said at the beginning, we have a lot of respect yeah. for what and he's I, able to pull and off I don't, here. I don't think this movie's bad by any means. By no, any no, means. no. I don't it's think a good it, movie. I don't, I don't think it's, it's very good movie. I don't think it's boring, but I think it's, it is very child-friendly. Yes. It is very school-based. Yes. And therefore, it's not it's not the most exciting Harry Potter movie. It's not the most no. thrilling Harry Potter movie. So This it, is kind of a movie you can put on in the background. And that, well, that's literally what I've yeah. done this past week. Yeah. After I watched it, I put it on two more times in the background yeah. this past week just to kind of live in the world right. and, the, and, the, and the movie. But at the same time it is important so like, it's hard to kind of like rate this movie or, or critique this movie right. looking back on everything because you need this movie and I think this movie needs to be I, I don't know how else you do this movie I wouldn't want to see any other version of this movie right uh, it's just like if you put all the movies out and said you can put one in right now, it's not the one I'm putting in right now. You know what sure, I mean? Sure, sure. So, I, it, and I agree with that. And it's it's interesting because this this movie kind of is like a fan favorite. Like people love. No, yeah. There there is like people love this movie. Well, this is definitely um, I can see the comfort of this, and also and that's the thing. This is also in a way this is kind of like a holiday classic now. Like, yeah, people watch well, this on the holidays. ABC um, Family. I know it's a different name now, but when it was ABC Family, they used to oh, like it's, every it's, it's free form now yeah. but they used to every christmas harry potter special valentine's day harry's potter marathon yeah they, they st really, patrick's day harry potter marathon right fourth right. of july harry potter marathon they, they, they've definitely like beaten a dead horse here i agree with you <laughs> they they bought but those rights and they man they're gonna use they're, those they're gonna rights. use them they're gonna use those rights <laughs> they put the money out they said harry potter's gonna be on every night of the week if we wanted to be <laughs> But I will say, I think this movie in particular, outside of the ABC thing, has kind of become a holiday yeah, yeah. like watch for people. And I've seen that. I've seen people who watch this movie. Because there's an important movie. part during Christmas. Exactly. And, yeah. and I think people just like, the, like you just said, the comfort yes. of it. I think because it is such an easy watch. It's and I not can a, definitely see that. It's not a difficult watch. No, you it's not. You can really just put it on and you can go and pour yourself some eggnog and not be watching it, but still hear it and just feel that comfort of yeah. it. And that's really important to this movie is the comfort of it and yeah. I truly I don't think a, a better introduction to a movie could have happened here yeah while there are, like you said there are some issues with maybe just the pacing and just trying to get everything in the movie or whatever Chris Columbus was trying to do I still feel like I'm like this is still a very very good movie a, a great movie I would even argue like he does a really good job of introducing this world mm-hmm. I, I give him props for doing that and it's so well done it it's is so so well done and, and I agree with that he, he yeah. really went 
into attention of detail for this. Like yeah. you feel how much he cares for this world and yeah. you feel how much he cares that for getting it right. Yeah. He doesn't want to let down the fan base. And I think that is really what speaks volumes here is how much care went into this to make sure that it was right. Yeah. And that they didn't just put out, because sometimes with these book adaptations, as, we, as we've seen, this could have been a train wreck. They could have just put out this garbage movie yeah. where people were like, what the hell is this? But we get a great introduction to yeah. the Harry Potter movie verse, the movie world, and it lays the groundwork for what this becomes. Yeah. So I think in its own way, it's a very important movie. Not the best by any means. No. I agree with you there. This is not one of the best. This isn't a five-star movie for me by any means, but I enjoy watching it every time I see it. I think that's what I'll say. Yeah, no, you're um, right. And I'm not going to pick it out of a lineup. If, no. I, if all eight movies are in front of me, I'm not going to go, let's watch Sorcerer's Stone. But... I'm never going to complain if it's on. No, you know, no. like I'm not going to complain it, if I see it on. It's not like it, like it, I'll watch. Like I would watch yeah. it again right now if it was on. I'm like, more I, excited to get to the future movies, but it's not like I was like, oh, now we got to talk about Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, you know what I mean, like yeah. I'm, I'm it's happy. Not, with it's not. It. It's not an upsetting watch. No, like, not it's a at very all. comforting watch. You can kind of just be in and out of it, and it, yeah. it is what it is. But it's yeah. definitely, I think, I think it's the most digestible. Yeah. That's what I want to say. Yeah, it's and, the most digestible Harry Potter film. And you know, you mentioned like it's 2000s effects, early 2000s. Effects, but I, know, think they, like, I think most of them look pretty no, good. Most of them look really good, but you, you know, you can definitely tell with some of the effects. You well, know, the Quidditch stuff is I know, actually looks pretty good. Well, I know Chris Columbus, I think, has come out and said that he's is disappointed kind of with like the flying stuff, especially oh, really? in the first movie. Like, he just isn't really happy with how it came out, right? But, right. And even I watched like an interview on the DVD for Sorcerer's Stone, and one of the producers on the on the movie talked about like for this, they were like hinting for the, the second movie, mm-hmm. and they were kind of like, oh, the Quidditch stuff is better. Like we kind of figured right. out, we how figured to out how to do make it, it work, and right. even the design. Like they're like, oh, he was even promoting like, oh, we we we, we redesigned the field, and we, right. we kind of figured this out and stuff like that. So like, it seems like you know, they're they're more comfortable with it, and then yeah, it and does again, end up looking better. So and that's kind of the point of this. You, you yeah. kind of have to have a trial and error with the first movie, where you kind of look at it and you go, okay, this didn't work, but how can we improve on this in the second movie? And they just end up improving it more and more and more each time. So yeah, I I mean, this is a great movie, man. I I like it. I still like it. Even when I watch it, I'm still happy with it. Yeah. So for me, still excellent. Uh, so what? Do you, what's your score? I have this at four stars for okay. myself. I was going back between three and a half and four. I think I'm going to go with with four. I think I, I, I think, think it's maybe fair. my enjoyment levels maybe a three, but I'm going to give it a four just for like execution. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and also like the importance of it. And, yeah. And, and like I said, like everything that they need to do, like the reason why this is two and a half hours long is because they they look at this movie and they go, well, we're not just thinking about this movie. We need we do need to we can tell this story, but we need to set up these characters and this location and yes. like yeah, like the the castle kind of gets redesigned a little bit in the future movies but for the most part everything is the way it is you know in the future like this establishes what this what this world looks like what Mm -hmm. this castle looks like what these characters are like what their demeanor is how they interact with each other the dynamics between everybody the the franchise does not work without this movie so absolutely you know what i'm gonna go with four stars you sold me you sold me okay great i like when i do that well let's talk about you i was worried runtime ryan would come out and knock it down to three and a half Uh, I don't like that guy, Runtime Ryan. Next time he shows up, oof. Too long. Let's talk about this movie for four hours. (laughs) The the movie needs to cut things? You gotta cut things. (laughs) 
uniqueness. Let's, uh, what stands out to you? The uh, set design blows me away still. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just does. love how this movie looks. I mean, it really, it, it's such a major standout there. Uh, the the performances, the, the three main characters are just, you know, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are just so well cast. Um, and like you said, this is probably one of the most well casted movies ever made. Yeah. That stands out. Just how they got it right, like, day one. And I don't know how they did it, but they did. They got it right. And obviously there's changes as things go on, but they nailed it the first yeah. time. But even, like, that casting stays pretty consistent with this entire franchise. Like, when they have a yeah. new character, who they cast and what they do. Stays in that role, yeah. you know, unless, again, and there's very minimal changes here. Not, you know, outside of, like, the big one is the Dumbledore change. Yeah, but, and that was, and that's, that was that's out of their hands. And that's out of I mean? their hands. Yeah. That's the only, that was completely out of their hands. But you're absolutely right. Everyone basically stays the same through all of this, which is great. It also lends to the continuity of it all, yeah. which makes sense. But, yeah, the set de- the set design is unique. The casting is unique. The world is unique. Yeah. The world, I mean, we've never seen something like this on screen yeah. before. This is kind of like a first of its kind type deal. With this type of in-depth fantasy, I've never seen anything like this before. Seriously, it's mind-blowing no. still. Think about... You mentioned it earlier, but using Harry as like the audience's way into the world. The that, conduit, that, yeah. Yeah, that's what stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, introducing the different wizarding elements, because he doesn't know. And, and you know, using things like that. Like, there's a reason why we, we have a five-minute scene to explain what Quidditch is, because when we see it later, we need to understand what it <laughs> we is. Need, we need to know. Exactly. Yeah. Also, it does what does stand out to me is that this is the most childlike of the series. You Absolutely. Know? And the use of the, the child actors and everything. Mm-hmm. So, But building, slowly building into these darker elements, I think really works, and that's what stands out to me. Right. So, does this bring anything new? Yeah, so, I think this brings a entirely new <laughs> level to how a movie can look. Yeah. You kind of, it's funny, because you kind of have Lord of the Rings coming out, same exact year as this. Mm-hmm. You know, Fellowship is out the same year, 2001, as this first movie, which is crazy to think about now. Like, I think about now and I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, what a cool year for movies, 2001. It's 2001, the greatest, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> the hey, greatest if, movie year of all time. If you listen to our uh, a year in franchises, maybe when we get to 2001, maybe we can have that conversation. Yeah, maybe we can have that conversation. Check out our bonus series. Yeah, but it's crazy just to even think about that. But, like, you know, I think what's so fascinating is that you have two majorly distinct worlds yes. come out in the same year and you have obviously one that's more adult in Lord of the Rings and then you have this that is I mean there really is no other word for it than magical you know I've been trying to avoid that word but it really it, is no, it magical is. what they pull off here it's this introduction of this world you're right like it just it does you you feel like you are at Hogwarts you yes. feel like you are in this magical element you, know, you feel mag- like you're just a student watching this all exactly happen. and also like it does kind of show what an adaptation a really great adaptation of a source material can look like yes so what is the best scene in this movie this is so interesting i was waiting for this question and i'm like this is so interesting i have always and again we kind of have said about this movie that it's just one thing after another it's just events that happen it's Mm -hmm. just event 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 and then you get to the last 45 minutes and suddenly the philosopher's stone matters again (laughs) you go oh okay so I've always personally really liked all of the Diagon Alley stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about that. I feel like it's just such well, a this, great this, introduction. That is the it's the introduction. The world, like yeah. like I I like it from I I so I actually really enjoy from the moment they walk into the Leaky Cauldron. As soon as the guy goes, "Bless my soul," it's Harry Potter. <laughs> Like, from that moment on, you realize, oh, we're about to go into a different world because all of these people know who that is and what's about to happen here. They go to the back. They do the bricks. 
those bricks separate and you're just blown it's like whoa yeah whoa and i and love that entire segment is just so good like every store he goes into when he goes into ollivanders that whole scene is great like i it's not even like a scene for me it's just that segment yeah like that entire segment just works for me and i think it's so well done. i love the use of like like the real owls and the real the real bats real the, owls yeah. real bats and just things like that to show off like you know this is a different type of you know world and yes. everything like that and so. just how like hopping diagon yeah. alley like the amount of extra they hired just to fill out yeah, Diagon yeah. Alley just to stand there in robes and hats and just kind of wander in and out of stores and stand there. I mean like that kind of, I feel like you don't see that much anymore like nobody hires extras to do that kind of stuff anymore it feels like you get to watch that now and it's like it feels so yeah, unique yeah nowadays it would probably be like a CGI it's like a CGI thing yeah. and it's like it brings so much life to the world when you see extras so for me I think it's my dot that whole Diagon Alley segment yeah. just works for me you know yeah I mean there's so many again there's so many here that that are I really like uh, Hagrid meeting Harry for the first time. Harry getting his wand. The chess game. Harry talking to Dumbledore at the mirror. Uh-huh. Uh, Harry talking to Dumbledore in the hospital wing. Uh, I love their like their dynamic with each mm-hmm. other. Uh, the Quidditch match is a lot of fun. The troll fight is fun. I also really like not really like important scenes, but like there's two really I think beautiful scenes. You know uh, the scene where when Harry gets to the castle and he's sitting in the, the dormitories and he's staring at the window. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of a music thing. Yeah. There's no dialogue. Yeah. He's just staring out the window. And then also when we see Harry walking in the snow holding Hedwig and he lets lets her go and then she flies around and it cuts and shows like just the time lapsing. Now it's like spring and everything. So... Really beautiful shots. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm going to pick the opening scene of just Dumbledore dropping off wow, Harry. Oh, okay. Because uh, I love, like, it does establish everything right away. It establish the import- establishes the importance of this character. Um, I love the light flicker thing. I love, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that becomes an important thing later yeah, on. It does. And, and just all these, uh, Deluminator, I think is what it's called, or something like that. I wish I, um, yeah, I haven't read the book in so long. <laughs> that's what it is. But, yeah, it's uh, just really fun scene. You look, you know, they, they do the fun little... Uh, off-camera uh, transformation of the cat to McGonagall and... Yeah, I like that shadow thing. It yeah. works. Yeah, that shadow transformation works. It's it's a lot of fun. So I, I... But it's also really interesting and it's also like... It, this maybe sounds stupid but like when I watch this movie on cable a lot uh-huh. I always caught it right after that scene. Like I never really saw that scene. Like I always caught it like when they do mm-hmm. hair... Like opening up to Harry in the door in the Dursley's house. Yes. So like... When I finally sat down and watched this movie, like on the DVD for the first time, I was like, "Oh my god, what is this?" Like, so. I yeah, that scene. But it's a, it's a faster scene than you think it is. It goes. Oh by yeah, really it's very quick. quick. It's, it's very, very quick. Qu- like it goes much quicker than you think it does. But it um, also establishes the use of the relationship between Hagrid and Harry. Like, it accomplishes what it needs to yes. accomplish, and it doesn't linger. You know. Yeah, what I mean? and it's like oddly emotional. Like you yeah. haven't even like met this character yet, and here are these three adults, like nearly like Hagrid's in like tears. Leaving yeah. him there, and you're just realizing like how how he just changed the world, the wizarding yeah. world, by in this one night, and he has no idea. And you feel that emotion in the scene, and that's really powerful, and yeah. it works. And you know, we're talking. You know, I know this because it's featured in this scene. But like we talk about this movie, you can't not mention the score. The score is absolutely John Williams, man, incredible. That guy is. So. I, I mean, let's just. 
very quickly. Man. I mean, it is absolute legend. God, that opening horn. Boom, boom. Yeah. Boom, I mean, it, 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 boom, boom. it's in my head right now. Like it literally, it like is, it, it just is. sticks with you. It's you know it. You you hear the music. You know exactly the what day, it is. The, when we're on our deathbeds, we're gonna be thinking of that song. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's well, it's one of those. It's just it's one of the most legendary scores of all time, right? I put Harry Potter up there with Star Wars as one of the most you know that opening. Da, 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 it's up there. It's up there with the Superman theme. Mm-hmm. Oh it's yeah. It's up there with just the greats. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you're about- you're just Indiana- mentioning John Williams. I am. I absolutely <laughs> am. I'm, I'm, Indiana Jones. <laughs> you know, you forget how much like work he his output. It really is all those movies, and like I forget that, and I'm like, it really he's done so much yeah. work. But it's it, again, it's just another kind of like notch in his belt. Yeah, like he makes it so easy, and you're like, how did he do this? Like, yeah. how did he just like come out with this? And it's incredible that uh, you know, I I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's one of the best scores of all time. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Good for him. We gave him his round of applause, but good for him, man. Uh, but yeah, let's talk connectivity. How how does this like set the tone of the franchise? I mean, I think we kind of cover this a little bit. Yeah, but. It, it it puts it together in the way that it's like, oh, here's um here's this new world. We're gonna introduce it to you. Get ready, there's more coming. Yeah, but uh, here's the world and here's what it looks like. Yeah. I think that's what it is. It literally just creates this world that we're gonna live in for the next seven movies. Absolutely. And things may change in the future. They may redesign things or do things like that. But it, it does establish all of this like from the get go. So, yes. Is this a worthy start to the franchise? Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean. You can't yeah. get better than this. And, and we kind of had the same situation with Shrek. Yeah. You can't get better than this. It's really great. So, my friend, before we do the future of the franchise, let's do some casting and some fun facts. Yes. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot here. We have a lot. Before we jump into casting, one little fun fact I'm going to throw out there mm-hmm. is that, you know, when this movie was kind of in development, one of the names that circled around it was Steven Spielberg. Yes. And he actually made kind of a picture of, like, maybe even making an animated movie. We'll get back to that when we go back to fun facts, but okay. that just kind of ties into our casting because right, right. in Spielberg's animated film, apparently he pitched Haley Joel Osment as Harry uh, Potter. So. Um, I don't like that. He's American. No, I know, but he would have to do this the is British before, accent. This is before this is established. This is kind of a, this established like we need a British actor kind of. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's fine. If they, I, if they were going to make American version of this movie with American actors. Sure. Haley He's Joel a good yes. fit for the I agree character. with that. I agree with that. I thought you meant for like what we get. I'm like, no. No, but, but yeah. <laughs> no. That's... I, I, he's a good fit, but like also he, he doesn't look also, like I, Harry. I don't like the idea of an animated film. I, I don't think that would be as effective. Yeah, no. I don't like no, it either. So. I, he's he's a, Spielberg's always had a weird fascination with animation. Like yeah. in a, whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, but no. Uh, so obviously J.K. Rowling insisted that the, caps, the cast be kept British. Uh, that's a big part of this. Uh, Susie Figgis, who was the casting director in the film, can't really find confirmation, but apparently, like, kind of left the production. Oh. And apparently it's because she was complaining that, like, Chris Columbus just couldn't find Harry Potter out of, like, the thousands of children that, like, were auditioning. I, and she kind of <laughs> was getting frustrated. It's yes. kind of mentioned in the article it's I sent you. It's kind of mentioned in the article. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she kind of, like, left in frustration. I think, well, they went through, like, 10,000 It's a kids. lot of kids. It's a lot like, of kids. He, he was struggling. Like, he They just couldn't didn't... find the right kid. Nobody yeah. could agree on the right kid. Right. It was very tough, so I guess she left. So that's, that's the whole thing. And sense. there's a little bit more. We'll get into that. But it's, my casting's kind of all over the place. But sure, we'll just, yeah. you know. Uh, J.K. Rowling revealed that she was actually offered uh, the role of Harry's mother, Lily, in the Mirror of Erised scene. But she turned it down. Right. Uh, because she's just she's not interested in appearing in the in the, in the the film. I just want to say, too, the Mirror 
of Erised? When I was a kid, I read it as the mayor of Arised. I mean, you know, that's the problem. It's with, spelled Arised. That's the problem. So I was with, like, oh, it's Arised, and what it, you know, when it, you have these like magical Arised. words, I there's stuff. There's definitely some in this franchise when we get to it that I I've read it as a yeah. different thing my entire yeah, life. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, she just wasn't an actress. She didn't mm-hmm. want to do that. But speaking of Americans, though, Rosie O'Donnell and Robin Williams were both very interested in appearing in the film. <laughs> really? Uh, really? Uh, she wanted to be uh, Molly Weasley and he wanted to be Rubius Hagrid. Um, oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't like that. No. So again, I'm not crazy about that. It kind of, again, feels a little bit like American actors trying well, to get in on this again, thing. Again, I think this is before they kind of established this we need only yes. American or yes. only British actors. Just like, yeah, just how we uh, keep our superhero movies over here. Uh, only American actors. You know, it wouldn't hurt <laughs> to sometimes have, you know, we don't need the British guys doing everything. You know, I would, I wouldn't. <laughs> There's mind. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind going back to a good old red-blooded American Spider-Man, but not going to see that anytime soon. <laughs> keep this in. No, no. please, come on. It's <laughs> we'll great. See. We'll, see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. No, but I think uh, that's a bad idea. Like Robin Williams, I could see the Hagrid. I think. Thing. He, I think both of them could work. They could, do especially it, for the time. But, but like, like as it goes on, I don't think so. No. Also, like. He doesn't really have the height. Well, they, Robin Williams isn't a tall guy. Yeah, but they, you know, they they can make it work. They can make it work, but like, I don't know. I don't like that. Rosie O'Donnell's just a no for me. But <laughs> Williams, sure. Uh, Richard Harris only agreed to take the role of Dumbledore because of his 11 year old granddaughter threatened to never speak to him again if he turned it down. Well, you don't uh, want that. No. Yeah, so. you don't want that. Good for his 11 year old. Well, and that's kind of the you know the thing with a lot of these older act- actors or adult actors who right. came into this franchise are kind of like. I didn't know what this was. My child or niece or nephew or whatever told me to do it. So, like, that's kind of yeah. why a lot of them... And they ended up locking into, like, the deal of a lifetime. Exactly. Yeah. And, they, and they all loved it, too. So, yeah. this is an actor I'm not very familiar with, like, at all. But Patrick McGuhan was originally offered the role of Dumbledore, but he turned it down due to health reasons. Okay. Um, I know he's yeah, a, don't know who that he's is. He's been but... in a lot of stuff. He was an older actor. He's been mm-hmm. in a lot of stuff, but I, I just wasn't familiar with him. Uh, Robbie Coltrane was the first actor cast in the film. Good for so him, they locked man. him in there first. They knew. Uh, David Thewlis, who would go on to play Lupin yep. in the future movies, yes, yes. Uh, was considered for the role of Professor Quill. You know, I like him as Lupin. Yeah, he's, better, like him he's as Lupin. better as Lupin. Yeah, he's better as Lupin. Liam Aiken apparently was originally given the role of Harry Potter, but the offer was taken away after they discovered that he wasn't British. Wow. Yeah, so Wow. Could you imagine like getting that role and thinking, <laughs> like, I've just lucked into, like... The greatest thing of all time. Again, and then I, you just walk on set one day and you slip up. And you well, it's like, no, it's like the next day they were like, oh, they're like, nah, nah, no, you're just, wow, you're not, you're not British. That's brutal. So, like, I think I don't know if he lied about it. I don't know. I don't know if he lied about it. I don't know if, if maybe that like wasn't he did, maybe he went into the audition with a British or, accent, or that wasn't established that yet. Like maybe that was still. I don't know. Like don't, he wasn't yeah. told that that was the case. Yeah, right, right. exactly. Oh, that's a shame. English actor slash comedian Rick Mayall was cast as Peeves the Portergeist, who's a very famous character from the book. Yes, yes. Um, uh, but all of his scenes were cut, and he does not appear in the film at all, nor are they featured in any release of the film. No deleted scenes or anything so right. so far. As of now, it's not featured it's in any DVD, shown. Blu-ray, no. Wow. I know I did see something about Chris Columbus kind of like posting on the Twitter or something mm-hmm. like that about like releasing the three-hour cut of this movie that does have all those scenes featured. Like, you know, he kind of pitched like, oh, you know, maybe that should be a part. Like, you know, with, with, like, yeah, with that, these like director cuts, you know, things, this, the Snyder could, cut maybe, or maybe that could be Well, that could, maybe that could be 
like an anniversary type deal Maybe. where you put that out. But also, apparently, I did read that they had trouble like filming those scenes because the kids were just constantly laughing. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's a testament to his performance, though. I guess, I guess. He must have been very funny. Uh, Chris Columbus, in his famous Saw Dinner Radcliffe in the BBC miniseries David Copperfield, was told his parents didn't want him to take part, but they were eventually convinced to let him audition for the role, and obviously, we see how it goes. Yeah. Sir Alec Guinness was apparently considered to play the role of Dumbledore, but had health issues. Uh, you know, Mr. That Obi-Wan Kenobi himself. That wouldn't have gone well because he hates <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. As we will talk about in the Star Wars things, he hated Obi-Wan. Um, kind of like uh, Harrison Ford's hate for Han Solo. But yeah, he had some health issues during the casting process and he, he actually passed away shortly before they were the going filming for some, began. They were going for some like old actors yeah. for Dumbledore. Yeah. Like, you know, they want these guys, like, for the whole run, but yeah. I'm like, you're not really looking at the vitality of these people, yeah. are you? Um, <laughs> Tim Roth was a leading contender for the role of Snape and was going to take it, but he had to turn it down because he was working on Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Interesting. And he didn't want to uh, split time flying back and forth. Right, so, right. Actually, uh, you know, probably better because I like Alan Rickman too much. Yeah, I know, yeah. Right. Hattie Jones, who played Madeline in the film Madeline, was the runner-up for the role of Hermione, mm-hmm. but was deemed a little too old. William Mosley, who portrayed Peter in the Chronicles of Narnia movies, which we'll take it to one day, sure. auditioned for the role of Harry Potter. Interesting. Um, Chris Columbus's daughter, Eleanor Columbus, plays the character of Susan Bones, and despite being American, was actually given permission by J.K. Rowling herself to appear on the condition that she does not speak. And she didn't. She, yeah, yeah, that's right, because she was just a Quidditch player. No, she's, right? no it's when they're doing the sorting. They sort you're all, right, they, they right. sort all the major kids yes, and yes, her. Yes, yeah. No, <laughs> no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, she was in that. I thought it was. A yeah. quid- you're absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. So some other fun facts. I mentioned this. You know, I, I said this earlier. Steven Spielberg initially negotiated to direct the film, but eventually declined the offer. He reportedly wanted to make an animated film or also a film that maybe incorporated elements from the subsequent books as well. So, like, even Chris Columbus in the interview I watched today kind of talked about how there was an idea of maybe taking, like, the elements of, like, the first three books and kind of throwing them in together and maybe cherry-picking your favorite scenes and putting it in. But that would just, it would, that would be a mess. Spielberg, Spielberg always wants to, like, it's never... And and I don't know if that was just a Spielberg thing, but if that was maybe just a, maybe it's better to, instead of doing one Harry Potter movie, let's do, like, instead of doing seven, let's do one I don't, I don't like that. I don't no, like I don't that. like it either. I, I, you know what? He made AI. Good for him. <laughs> he can do that. About the film, though, Spielberg was quoted saying, It was like shooting ducks in a barrel. It's just a slam dunk. It's just like withdrawing a billion dollars and putting it into your personal bank accounts. There's no challenge. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no challenge whatsoever. Good for him. Yeah, I'm glad that he's very confident in his abilities to uh, direct a Harry Potter movie. We'll never know what that looks like because he never got the opportunity. He made AI, though. But he made AI. You know, that came out uh, also 2001. 2001, the greatest movie year of all just time. might be. <laughs> Rowling stated that she had no role in choosing the directors for the films. And it was quoted saying, Anyone who thinks I could or would have vetoed Spielberg needs their quick quotes quill serviced. After Spielberg passed, other directors were looking were looked at a lot of directors here and I have some like notable works that, so mm-hmm. we can if we don't know the names we can play sure. some but uh, Chris Columbus obviously who got the role Terry Gilliam from mm-hmm. Monty Python yes, yes. Uh, Jonathan Demi who did Silence of the Lambs in Philadelphia uh-huh. uh, Mike Newell who would actually go on to direct the fourth film yes, we'll talk did. about him yes, there yes. Uh, Alan Parker who did Angela's Ashes, Mississippi Burning, and Pink Floyd's The Wall. Mm. Uh, Wolfgang Peterson, who did The NeverEnding Story and Air Force One. Rob Reiner from mm. The, the yes. Princess Bride. Ivan Reitman from Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. okay. 
Uh, Tim Robbins, you may know him as an actor from Shawshank Redemption, yes, but he, he has also, a directing career. He also directed things like uh, Bob Roberts and Dead Man Walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Silberling, who did Casper and also did City of Angels. M. Night Shyamalan, no need to wow. no explanation there. And Peter Weir, who did the, tr- the Truman Show and Dead Poet Society, were all apparently looked at at different what times. A, what an eclectic group of directors there. Yeah. You know what I find really fascinating, too, as you're like naming these people? It's so funny that they wanted to cast to stay British, but they were willing to cast an American. I think that was because... Like, like they, they were willing to use an American director, well, but the cast had to well, stay they say, all British. Dana Radcliffe, again, in a, in a special, says that the original pitch was to film these in Los, a- in, in Los Angeles. Right. So this is... What was very much a kind of American production, and then they were, and then he, kind of his parents were like, "No, I'm not. We're not going to let our son go to yeah. America well, and they disrupt probably, his life. They would probably have to relocate. To yeah, America, so right. it's like you know they kind of moved the production to the UK. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, yeah, you're right. It is interesting. Like they're okay with kind of the, but then I think they kind of moved past that a little bit. So. I guess it's because they're not on screen. Yeah, and that's part of it. Like yeah. I guess they wanted the British accents to sound authentic as possible. Yeah, and I think even like initially. I think she wanted she wanted just I think like just British but then she kind of was like oh well on Irish or Scottish like she kind of lets some like some slide well, the United Kingdom is more than just English no I know yeah. but I think so, she no, wanted I think just I, English I think it's funny that she wants just English when it's like the United Kingdom is also Ireland Scotland yeah. like there's well, more there and then obviously, I, t- I totally understand what you're saying though. but I, obviously the, you know I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that for like a character like Seamus Finnegan who is Irish yes that like she would be okay with that but I think like the like you know she what she didn't want then they're like oh well this character might have I might have envisioned this character English but we, let's make him Irish or well there's whatever, that you know? audio that came out that said she didn't want any dirty Irish people in her movie it's okay I'm Irish I get it we're only uh, good for our taters Rowling wanted Terry Gilliam but Warner Brothers wanted uh, selected Columbus due to his work on family films like Home Alone and Mrs Doubtfire yeah so obviously that does make sense and he was the right choice exactly. as we as we saw Richard Harris apparently had trouble remembering his lines and Daniel Radcliffe apparently would ask him to run lines with him just to give Richard Harris some more practice. Oh. <laughs> um, Sounds like Richard Harris was phoning it in. <laughs> no, I think he was old. No, 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 old. he was old. He was old, I know. Uh, the filmmakers attempted to add details from the books to the characters such as Harry's green eyes and Hermione's buck teeth, but Radcliffe's eyes reacted strongly to the contact and Emma Watson could not talk clearly with the fake teeth in her mouth. So it just kind of... I don't think those. they need to do that. I no. think it worked fine just the way they are. It's, it's an interesting one. Oh, I can't wait. It's a name I never thought I'd say during a Harry Potter show. Great. Uh, Bruce Springsteen. Oh! Uh, rec- oh! Recorded... The boss? <laughs> recorded an original song for the film. No, he didn't. I'll Stand By You Always. No, that's not true. I'm t- one of the song I'll is- Stand By You. It's online. You can I, you can listen to yeah, it. Yeah, I'll Stand By You. A court... A- Here in the magic world of Hogwarts. I love Hogwarts. Flipendo. Experiamus. And Alamora. Born in the United Kingdom. Born in the United Kingdom. Hogwarts. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Uh, We have so much fun. According to the Harry Potter fandom page, Bruce Springsteen wrote this song for his son Evan after he read the Harry Potter books sometimes between like 98 and 2001 and apparently did offer the song to Chris Columbus but this was rejected by Warner Brothers due to J.K. Rowling having a clause in her contract that prevented the use of commercial songs in the film. That's wild. Um, 
Springsteen re- reportedly gave the song to Mark Anthony to release on an album, but it never was released. Oh. Even though it was kind of promoted that it would be, right, it never right. was. The song was leaked onto the internet in 2017 and was eventually officially released in 2019 as part of the soundtrack for the film Blinded by the Light, the Bruce Springsteen right, right. inspired the, uh, yeah, the movie. Right, right, the movie. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, so, wow. This is legit. That is I, wild. I did not think this was This is. Le- I've heard the song. Is it good? It's okay. It's okay. It's like yeah. five minutes so I'm, long. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm personally. I'm. I am a Bruce fan. I'm a, I, like I Bruce. am too. Yeah, I'm a big Bruce fan. I, I've seen him live. He's incredible. Yep. 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 Um, I, we were at the same show. We were. You're right. <laughs> yeah, we were at the same show. He was really incredible. Great. Great performer. I don't know. No. 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 This does not. <laughs> I was no, going to no, say. No, no. I don't know if his music exactly fits and it, this. It world. doesn't really have anything to do. It's more about like because he wrote it for his son. It's more about right. like that. It's more about that. I thing. think he mentioned something about ghosts and goblins but he doesn't he doesn't he never he doesn't say anything about hogwarts ghosts and goblins they're coming for you my boy but i'll stand by you you got a little scar on your head there harry those ghosts and goblins coming your way right down here on east street born in the united kingdom uh but yeah it, it, i was like wow Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, that's, I wasn't expecting that name. That's very funny. Uh, J.K. Rowling apparently actually wrote the flashbacks to Voldemort killing Harry's parents because she was the only one that knew exactly what happened oh, in that scene. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. The film did receive, my friend, three Academy Award nominations mm. for Best Art Direction but Lost to Moulin Rouge. Yes. Best Costume Design but Lost to Moulin Rouge. Oh, wow. And best original score for John Williams, but this lost to The Fellowship of the Rings. Wow, that's interesting. I'm okay with, like, the the Lord of the Rings one. I get it. Like, you know, that also has a really epic soundtrack. Moulin Rouge, though? Come on. I remember it being a, a pretty movie. I don't know. I haven't seen it in forever. I don't know. I would rather I would rather Harry Potter won that. But okay. <laughs> but I have a little extra section here. You know, this is... A, a is this compar- about Bruce? No, yeah, it's all about Bruce. Uh, it's all just oh thank god I had another song it's called Goblins and Ghouls but this this section this extra section is comparing the book to the movies and the differences mm-hmm. there you know and nice. I'm going to try to include this in everything uh, all the movies but we'll see what, what details I can get Chris Columbus checked with J.K. Rowan to make sure he was getting minor details in the film correct mm-hmm. which I think is very important and you, you can definitely see that yes uh, the film is pretty faithful to the book overall, with only a few major changes being made. A line that was apparently intended to be in the movie was removed after J.K. Rowling mentioned that it would directly contradict an event in the fifth book. But this line has never been addressed, like it right. never been explained, so I, we don't know what it was. Gotcha. And the fifth book wasn't released at the time, so that's why. You know, yeah, she yeah, she was, still, she was still <laughs> yeah. writing away, right? Um, there are several minor characters in the book who do not appear in the film. We mentioned Peeves the Poltergeist. Uh, the first chapter of the book, which is told from the viewpoint of Vernon Dursley, is absent from the film, obviously. Um, yes. Which I think is for the better. I don't think that would work. Yeah, no, I think you need to keep it uh, in Harry's perspective. Yeah. I think it needs to be through his eyes and his point of view. In the book, Harry and Malfoy meet in a robe shop uh, in Diagon Alley. Yes. And they have a midnight duel uh, eventually at one point in the book as well. Those were removed from the film. Not They weren't necessarily. They're not important. Yeah. yeah. The story around Norbert is condensed, and instead of Harry, Hermione, Neville, and Malfoy getting detention for being caught while taking Norbert to Charlie Weasley's friends, 
Harry, Ron, and Hermione get a detention for being caught in Hagrid's hut after hours. Right. And Malfoy gets detention as well for being out of bed. So it's just a little minor change. Ron's yeah. not in the forest scene to normally, but right. or in the book, but they just ended them in. It works. Um, the design of the Quidditch pitch apparently was altered for the movie from how it's described, I guess, as instead of like a traditional stadium, like described in a book, it is more of an open field circled by spectator towers. Right. I don't I, I haven't read the book to verify that or not. I don't right. know. Uh, and the first book is set in 1991, and the movies never really define what year they are, but uh, there is apparently a date on a school certificate in the Dursley's home that does label the year as 2001. So oh. somebody, the fact that somebody found that is pretty incredible. But that's why I think that, that yeah, they're just pretty modern. Yeah, they're just mod like they're set in the modern day. It, it, the the Wizarding World is so kind of out of time that it doesn't really matter. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. So, it's it very much is kind of in its own realm. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, and they so, say right out of time. It yeah, really is. exactly. So, but yeah, I just thought it'd be interesting to kind of look and see. And obviously, those differences are going to become more and more as we get into the future, oh, for sure. The yeah, movies. as it, as it goes on. Yeah, because like we said, this is kind of the most loyal out yes. of all of them. But yeah, yeah for sure. Well, let's get into the future of the franchise then. Should there have been a sequel to this? There has to be. Yeah. This is the kind of the... This, the, is gonna, this question this is going to This not whole even. future of the franchise, I'm going to ask it every week. Yeah. But there's really we'll like... Pro- we'll probably blow through it pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah. Though. yeah. What do you want to see in the future? The Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. I heard exactly. about that uh, <laughs> and I'd like to see it. You know what else I want? What? Another Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> if all the chamber, it's full of secrets. And I'll stand by you. Bruce, are you, uh, you're gonna come, did you write a song for Chamber of Secrets too? I wrote a song for Chamber, yeah, I did. Oh, will will you come back next week? I'll um, be here, yeah. You know, I might give you a little, little sneak preview next week of what that song was. Looking forward to it. It was called Born in the Basilisk Belly. Yeah, what franchise star would you add to this franchise? I honestly, I wouldn't. I don't know because like they get almost every British actor who exists. The one that I'm so going to mention, like I, I don't really know who I. Would I think pick. this is the most obvious one. Okay, it's Ian McKellen as Dumbledore uh, right. because this is kind of the one that apparently he was at uh, one point. Do like, you have that information for next week? Because it, there's a story for there. the third for the third movie for the third for the, movie. There's that, a story yeah. there with him and Richard Harris. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. I was going to say because um, I'm aware of the story. Apparently, was, he was viewed for the like. When, when they were looking playing for the first, and then they just didn't go with him, yeah, for whatever reason, I guess. And then, yeah, they looked at him after Richard Harris died. So I have that not for the next book. I have it for the third the one third when book. they cast okay. Gambit. Great. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there, there's a story. There is a story. Okay, they did good. look at him, so that's kind of the one, like, I mean, I think he would be he great, would be but, great, but is, I think he there, also was like, I just played a wizard. Well, I mean, he while this was happening, he was playing. <laughs> he was Gandalf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, you know, obviously, this is the part where we would rank the films. We only have one movie, so right now it's the Philosopher's Stone is number yeah, one. Philosopher's Stone number one. Um, well, my friend, I mean, these are easy episodes. These first ones because we can kind of go through pretty yeah. quickly. And like you said, that future of the that, franchise it's, stuff. That's not going to be non. We're going to blow through that. It's going to be uh, every week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's going to be non-existent, but we're spending so much time on everything else that I think it's okay. Exactly, exactly. Because this is the one franchise where they went into this knowing there's going to be yes. you know, seven movies. Right. The only one that they probably didn't know is you know, splitting up. That last book yeah, exactly. into two. Into yeah. two, yeah. Which I think was the right move. I think it is. And I think I it was think, the right move. Again, we'll I talk- can't wait for your defense of Deathly Hollows Part 1. Oh, well... If anybody... Look, we... Ryan has a defense of this movie. Well, I'm I, very think, I think people like that movie, but I, I've... You know, with the... The Deathly Hallows Part 1, 7 Part 1, uh, you know, people are kind of like, oh, it's good, but it's kind of camping the movie. And I think it's much more than that. So yeah, I'm very yeah. excited to get that. to that. Can't yeah, wait so. for that. 
Uh, well, my friend, do you have any other like comments, things you want to say about this movie? It's Harry Potter, you know? I mean, if you haven't, there's, I don't even have to say to watch this because I know you have. So uh, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to talking Chamber of Secrets next week. Yeah. Um, that's going to be an interesting week for me because that's the one for me that I don't like well, as I think, much. I think that's um, probably the one that's kind of viewed the, la- yeah, the least. That's, that's yeah, that's kind of the one that I don't like a lot. So that'll be an interesting week next week. But I'm excited to watch it again because I actually haven't seen that one in years. I feel like I've seen all of the other ones, but I've like actively <laughs> avoided Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> but I'm excited to do it. Yeah, yeah. so that's all I'm going to say. I'm excited for next week. Yeah, talk Chamber. I'm, I'm really happy to be doing this franchise and I'm excited to talk about these more and yes. kind of, you know, but... It is it is weird because this is the one the one the probably the first franchise that we've done that I've seen every single movie absolutely here yes well I know we I did I had already seen Pitch Perfect but still like there's only three movies versus this is so right many. this is eight movies exactly and, and I'm very much more familiar with these movies than I was with that's kind of what's making this a little bit more fun and like easy is because we're so familiar with them that like we kind of watch them and then we go oh okay yeah I remember all this like this is easy so yeah I agree with you I'm really happy we're doing this franchise too I want to put that out there this is great pick my friend this that brings us to the end of the episode Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening of course thank you to Tony big Mm -hmm. thanks Uh, we appreciate everybody for their support you can find us on Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher Google Podcasts and more you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at franchise me pod you can see all of our rankings on letterboxd it's franchise me it's just one word you can send us an email at franchise me pod at gmail.com give us a rating or review on apple Podcasts. give us your feedback so we can get better each week also check out our bonus series a year in franchises where each episode we break down all the franchise movies in a year don't forget to check out our website franchise me podcast.com where you can see all of our episodes make sure you come back next week as we search for the heir of slytherin and open the chamber of secrets. Oh!